Hey, damn guys. Welcome to Book Club Member Comics. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Albert Lovelace. And I'm Mark Tweedo. Hey, it's Mark. Hey, Mark's Mark. on the show. Hi. <laughs> Unfortunately, again, we're, we're going to be missing Danielle on this episode. You know, she's she's getting better. Um, she's getting over, like, a bad bout of, like, the flu or pneumonia. I mean, she got really sick. But she is getting better. She didn't have COVID. She got tested several times. And we thought that she was going to be good for this episode. But then when I saw her today, I just really felt like she needed to still rest. And, you know, she's still having like a lot of cough and stuff like that. So, you know, let's give her another week off. And then next week she can give us a, hey, you damn guys about this episode, right? So anyway, uh, Danielle will be back next week. But this week, I'm so glad that we could have you on, Mark. Thanks so much for joining us to talk more Harrow County. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. This was fun. This, I, I really enjoyed this. I actually uh, I resisted reading this um, oh. until like last night because like I don't know. I just wanted to wait wait until I knew we were going to do the next part before I read the yeah. read it. But we'll get into that shortly. This is our book club podcast. If this is your first episode, we're reading comics. We're talking to our friends, and now Mark Tweedo is going to tell you all about it. <laughs> oh what? Wait what? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, we, we decide to talk about things, all sorts of things, random things, mostly comics, but sometimes not. And then you listen to that and then you have like <laughs> thoughts and you're like, man, these thoughts, they must be heard. And so you, you, you write into us uh, and sometimes you even record things for us and you say all that stuff. And we sit there slack Jordan in awe because the stuff is profound, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. that's how friendship is forged. <laughs> Yes, the forge of friendship. Yes, thank you. Awesome, Mark. Thank you for doing that. That was great. (laughs) I got some uh, shouts outs for this week. I want to thank Wes Matthijs for being on our show last week for that impromptu episode. That was so yes, much thank fun. You, Wes. Always great hearing from him. That was a lot of fun. And I was telling you, Mark, that we gotta we gotta do a nerding out episode with you sometime where we just like talk about random stuff because I think um, music wise, you know. Uh, film wise tv show wise and i think it would be great to get some of your recommendations sometimes do you have anything you want to recommend really quick uh, something that you've been enjoying lately uh i really enjoyed an ogn last year uh called salt magic by hope larson and rebecca mock uh and i haven't really heard anyone else talking about it i'm just like does no one know this book exists it's fantastic what is it called again salt magic yeah it's a ya book but it's really good nice all right and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback listener Feedback. Feedback. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't have Danielle. Man, I, I miss know, Danielle. Yeah. She's so good at that. We, we almost got that perfected, Danielle and I. <laughs> I know, I know, man. You read a story. We talk about it. You hate them guys us. And it's a book club. Get out. We got a Hey You Damn Guys from Andrew Adair. Andrew Adair. Book club member. That's right. He said, Hey You Damn Guys, so glad to find your new podcast. I was worried when I hadn't seen new content on the Podbean, and I thought you guys stopped doing the show. I love that you guys did Mr. Higgins Comes Home. I was really skeptical of Warwick stuff when I first saw it, but it quickly became some of my favorites. The artwork is so whimsical and light, I think it's almost its own genre. The podcast got me even more excited to see Falcon Spear when that comes out. Harkening back to our discussion of Mr. Higgins Comes Home, I think that was on our episode three or something like that? Something like that, yeah. Have you already read Falcon Spear, Mark? 
Uh, yeah, actually, um, if you remember the last time we did a Harrow County episode, I mentioned that it was awesome. Oh, okay. I'd already, I'd already forgotten I've, about that. I read it quite a while back. Wow. Okay. Was it delayed or how, how did you, <laughs> everything how does is that delayed happen? at the moment. So, um, oh, I see. Uh, yeah. it's just COVID and the pandemic has like has hit the publishing industry particularly hard and paper shortages are the main thing. And we had also talked about, uh, Sir Ben Kingsley as a possible casting. <laughs> For Professor Meinhardt, I think is that is that who we had cast him as? He would be really good, I think, especially after seeing what he's done in um, Shang Chi. <laughs> oh, I loved him in Shang Chi. That was so good. Coincidentally, Andrew Adair said that he watched the Ottoman Lieutenant last night, and Sir Ben Kingsley says, "I won't have it," and so he included a sound clip of that. So I'll include oh, it in nice. here. So that's like an actual line, right? That could be a, a, a line from, uh, you know, doesn't Meinhardt say something like that? I think he does. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Andrew Adair. Awesome. We had some feedback on our Invincible episode. We heard from Hayden Orr. Hayden Orr. Book club member. Yeah, he said, great episode, you damn guys, and great job, Aubrey. We finally, we finally saw it. Omni-Man absolutely obliterating the Guardians of the Globe. Such a crazy <sighs> twist. Nolan is one of those characters that just does horrible shit early on and makes you really dislike him. But eventually, as you keep reading, you end up genuinely caring about him and wanting him to succeed, even though he was revealed fairly early to essentially be a mass murderer. He's definitely one of those more interesting Superman clone characters in comics. The evil Superman trope kind of feels tired at this point, especially when DC does it themselves. Yeah. But Omni-Man is a particularly well-written one. That gets revisited in many interesting ways in future issues of Invincible. What do you all think of the trope of the evil Superman clone character? And do you have a favorite super clone from any other comics or publishers? I particularly liked what Jonathan Hickman did with his version of Hyperion during his run on Avengers. It was great seeing Thor become best pals with essentially Superman. Looking forward to the next episode. Awesome. Thank you, Hayden. Oh, thank you, Hayden. Do you guys have a Superman clone uh, that's your favorite? Actually, I've never really thought about it, but I mean, I did like uh, what Hickman did with uh, Hyperion. And his, I, I loved, I love everything Hickman does, to be honest. Okay, uh, I haven't read that, but, yeah. Oh, it well, because, you know, he wrote Avengers and New Avengers uh, for like a while, and they, the whole story of the Secret Wars crossover he did in two, 2015, it starts in Avengers, his Avengers run, starts there. Um, and so you get this whole really cool thing. And so I really do like Omni-Man and I really do like the way his character develops throughout the whole series. I don't want to spoil it for you, John, or anything like that. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, he starts off as like this kind of Superman clone and then he kills the Guardians of the Globe. And then, and then his character arc takes an interesting development, in my opinion. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Very cool. What about you, Mark? Do you have a Superman clone, evil Superman type character that you like from a certain series or title? Uh, yeah, um, I like uh, the one in A God Somewhere by uh, John Arcudi and Peter Belting. Oh, wow. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, uh, that one, it's bleak, but I don't know. Like, I feel like if you're going to do a dark version of Superman, you might as well go all the way, and that's what John Arcudi did. Um, his... Ooh. His version um, has a very bleak portrayal of uh, human nature. Okay. Wow. I've never read that, but John Arcudi, I mean, that sounds amazing already. It does. <laughs> I imagine that he brings like a really, like, um, I guess from what you described, like maybe a too human element to that character. Yeah. I mean, you know, it the human 
part of him is what makes him a monster. Right. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. So what is that? Is that like a graphic novel? Is that like a series? It's a miniseries, I believe. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to track down the trade for that. That sounds great. Also, I do kind of agree that the, the, the evil Superman trope is kind of starting to get a little tired, I guess, because, I mean, especially like, you know, with DC doing it in Injustice, I mean, maybe, and maybe it's just, you know, now I'm getting old now, getting older. I just want something like more to my childhood. Like, you know, it'd be kind of nice to see just a, a pleasant Superman right, story, yeah. right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's definitely where my tastes go as well. I mean, um, I remember when that, you know, the new uh, Superman and Lois show, yes, like that, been... that opening with um, like him w- walking up in the suit and going, my mom made it for me. You know, like that was. Oh, that, that made me so giddy when I saw that. <sighs> yeah, it was so great. It's like, yeah. man, why don't we have that Superman on the big screen? Yeah. Oh, my God. I would I love know. that. It, it, if you haven't seen Superman and Lois, I definitely recommend checking it out. Okay, I haven't seen any of that. No, I need to I do mean, that. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I would love them to like full on go into that kind of old school feeling and go, all right, how about we do a version of Superman where it's set in the 1930s? You know, like, the, oh, was oh, it 1938 cool. when Superman was first? Yeah. first you know? like, yeah, that yeah. would be when Superman first appears in Metropolis. You know, like, that would be That's fun. Right. That would yeah. actually be fun. Yeah, that would be cool. So reading this question um, made me think of Hyperion from a different title, from Supreme Power. This oh, was, I love uh, that. Yeah, that was uh, early 2000s, I guess. Um, I think it was like 2003 or something. It was um, a Marvel Max title, and it was basically a reboot of the Squadron Supreme, written by J. Michael Straczynski, and then um, art by Gary Frank, who I really enjoy. I really enjoy his art. Um, he's done some great he's yeah. done some great Superman stuff that I really like. I thought that title was really cool. And then I started thinking about it and I actually ordered the trade because I had some like holiday money, gift card money. So I ordered like the hard oh, nice. the hardback. I found it for like twenty bucks of the first twelve issues. Nice. And I was like, I've been enjoying this again. It's really good. Um I feel like it still holds up. Basically in the first issue, it's like the Clark Kent Superman origin. You know, this the ship crashes uh mon pa can find him they bring him inside and then like five minutes later helicopter black hawk helicopters come and you know the government comes and they they take him you know what i mean and then like the the story kind of goes from there that is some really good stuff that's probably my favorite evil superman stuff i don't know it is very marvel it is very like uh edgy and stuff like that at the time I remember enjoying it and looking at it now, I'm like, this is cool. I don't know. It it is pretty cool. And they do their own kind of Justice League thing or whatever anyway. Well, I mean, the the Squadron Supreme is basically a Justice League homage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember collecting that when it first came out. I think I still have the – no, what am I saying? I do still have the individual issues of that. Yeah, Um, Nighthawk (laughs) and um, Dr. Spectrum and all that stuff. Yeah. Dr. Spectrum, Power Woman, uh, The Wizard. um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't remember. Anyway, I um, I actually just started reading uh, Heroes Reborn, where it's Blade wakes up on a world where um, the Avengers never were formed, but the Squadron Supreme is there. So it's like he's, he's they're basically putting, and I'm doing air quotes, the Justice League in the Marvel universe, oh, dealing see. with their problems. Okay. But speaking of like, I guess like interesting takes on the Superman trope. Have you guys seen Brightburn? Yeah, I have seen that. No, I actually enjoyed that particular take on it because you know, because. It, he just starts off as a as a kid, and he the kid 
becomes a fucking psychopath like, right <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It's a, uh, I think like James Gunn produced it or wrote it or he had something to do with it, right? It, he produced it. Um, and I think it was like somebody, like one of his like friends or partners or brothers or something like wrote it. Right. Okay. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway, that movie was all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good question, Hayden. Let us know what your favorite evil Superman clones are. That's a good question. Mark, you were saying in your feedback that, uh, about the stars that maybe uh, he has superpowers so he can see that many. We were talking about the star field, how it's oh, yeah, too many yeah. stars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that actually makes sense if, you know, because he probably does have enhanced vision. So he would probably be able to see the stars. I mean, I like that explanation. I guess the idea is that if you uh, push it far enough, sooner or later, it's just all going to be white because, I mean, it's infinite. That is true. You're blowing, you're blowing my mind, Mark. I mean, what, the further like, you look back, the further you get. The only way you can really see gaps in between the stars in an infinite universe is simply because you're looking at a space where light hasn't traveled that far since the beginning of the universe. Yeah. That's actually, <laughs> oh, that, that's blowing my mind. Yeah. It's also making me think about the, the, the Hubble uh, deep field um, oh, yeah. deep field image you know, where they just pointed it at a, a single spot in, in space that's just nothing to us, and then it comes back with like, thousands of galaxies yeah right yeah i love that stuff so much yeah they just launched the new telescope right that the the james webb yeah man i'm excited for that that's gonna be amazing i I actually never thought that thing would get launched (laughs) (laughs) we also heard from drew campbell drew campbell book club member he said as far as recommendations i'm a huge fan of matt kent particularly the books he writes and illustrates. I love his watercolor art and his stories are truly mind-bending. Mind management is his big one, but the first book of his that I read is called Revolver, about a guy who shifts back and forth between two different realities. It's a single graphic novel, so it might be a better starting point for a new reader. There's also a mind management board game, and the company that made it is working on a Harrow County board game. That's true. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm also one of those people who missed out on the ground floor of Black Hammer, and now it just feels really daunting to try and get into. Not to mention the fact that my to-read pile of things that I've actually already bought is probably already more than I'll ever be able to read in my lifetime. I haven't read any <laughs> of the Alien comics, but keep in mind that Marvel worked Conan into their continuity so anything is possible great thanks drew uh yeah i i guess that's how i felt about black hammer too but like i just sped through it i mean i read the first omnibus in like two sittings i probably could have said it read it in one sitting if i didn't have to go to work the next day damn work i know damn work always getting in the way of the things i really want to do i don't know i'm excited to because i felt like that too i was like oh well this is a whole other set of things and but it really isn't right isn't it like four library editions total right now i guess there's like a fifth one coming out it's five Um, at the moment it's five yeah yeah uh it's probably going to be around 10 when it's finished holy shit Um, (laughs) because it finishes uh in 2023 wow okay crazy Um, so we've already got a sixth library edition on the way um which has got a great cover by the way but anyway um so there's a chance that i could catch up to it right i could catch up and be reading it as they come out that would be pretty cool actually i don't know 
That's exciting. Well, you know, honestly, I, I did kind of feel like uh, there was another comic that felt a little daunting to get into, but uh, 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 my friend started a podcast and got me to start reading it, and now <laughs> I've read almost everything. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> uh, it was uh, this little comic called Hellboy. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, no not familiar. <laughs> Yeah, no, I actually, I kind of felt that way about Hellboy because, I mean, it had been going on for, like, years uh, by the time, and I just didn't know where to start or anything like that. I guess I could have just said, John, where do I start? And you'd be like, here, read this. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you look at it from, like, the outside, if you look at it from the beginning, I guess it can look daunting. But if you just, just start it, like, I guess, just start. And if you like it, keep going. Yeah. If you don't, stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that, that's a good way to think about it. And I always think this is so funny. Like, <laughs> I always think, like, you and Danielle have read more Hellboy comics than probably you have read like almost every single Hellboy comic. Like that's nuts to me. Like to think about that I made you read every single comic. Like most people have not read all the Hellboy stuff. Like I think even people who have followed the title maybe haven't read all the Witchfinder stuff. And you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Mark, yeah. do you think that you could make somebody read all this stuff the way that I have? Uh, <laughs> sort of. Um, I have a friend that um, uh, whenever they, they bring out a new library edition or uh, omnibus, that friend gets my trades. So in that way, I'm kind of forcing her slowly to read. Oh, there you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, that's very cool. I like that. And I also like the idea of like, you know, um, passing it, passing it along, you know what I mean? To people yeah. who, you know, are going to appreciate the stuff and, you know, go back and look at it and stuff like that. So anyway, it's yeah. a little difficult when the friend moves away. I've now got like a pile of books that I'm like, Oh man, I've got to, like get these to Melbourne somehow. <laughs> oh man. Yes. Yes. That's great. Yeah. It's, it, but, uh, that is really cool. That is really cool that you do that. Yeah. And we had, um, we had so much feedback on our nerding out episode with Wes. So um, I do want to get to our Harold Cunning discussion. So if I didn't get to your feedback on this episode, we will definitely read it on the next episode. And that'll be cool too, because we'll have Danielle there to talk more about the feedback. So um, I'll go ahead and, you know, cut the feedback off here. And we'll, we, if I didn't read yours this week, we'll make sure to get to it next week. And now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. But before we do that, we have a special song here that I that I have to play for you guys. Hero County is what we're looking for. I can read it here online. I can read it there in trade. I could even read the floppies. Oh, you know we've got it made. When we're listening to John, to Danielle and Aubrey too, Mark Tweedell is here for friendship. Back to you, John. Hey, great job there, Benny Decker. Thank you so much. Thank you, Benny. That was awesome. Back to you, John. We, we should have him on the show. I know we we, we got to have him on there or he's got to, I mean, he's becoming our go-to intro guy. We've got him like every single week doing something for us. So yeah, that is so it's cool. So good though. Yeah. Really good stuff. Yeah. That's a good little singing voice there. I like that too. Yeah. Good job there. Some good pipes there. Yeah. I said we needed someone to do a, a Harrow County intro online. I think he must've been like, yes, just heard Like if he didn't see it, then at least he felt it somehow deep in the fibers is <laughs> there you go exactly 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we're coming back to discuss Harrow County issues five through eight. These issues were published from September to December 2015, written by Colin Bunn and art by Tyler Crook. I love uh, coming back to this Tyler Crook art for Harrow County. I don't want to sidetrack us, but I just, I'm going through my read pile. I've been on a comics tear lately. I was telling Matt the other day, I read um, Manor Black. You read that, Mark? (laughs) I've read some stuff. (laughs) They've got a new series that comes out next month. And I've read a bit of that and it's really good. And I can't wait to freaking talk about it. Yeah, because Manor Black is another Tyler Crook, um, another Cr- Tyler Crook title. And uh, yeah. that was beautiful. And I love, uh, and coming back to this, I was like, ah, oh, yes, this stuff is so good. Yeah, his art is, yeah. His art is beautiful. Uh, Manor Black is also by Cullen Bunn and um, has Brian Hurt on it as well. And whenever those three work together, it's always going to be something special. They've They've done it a couple of times now, and yeah. It's, they work so well together. Yeah, maybe we can come back and talk about that. Um, I, I guess especially since you're telling us that more material is going to be coming out. So that was a pretty cool book. But we're not here to talk about Manor Black. We're talking about Harrow County and um, this issue five cover. I love this. Um, let's talk about this a little bit. It kind of reminds me like of a tarot card or something like that, right? Okay, yeah. I just really love that spell. I um, I really like the fact that it's the two twins holding that lantern the beast in the background it's so good well and it kind of makes a it makes a skull itself right so there's all the skulls around it and then it that also makes a skull image oh fuck i didn't notice that until you said it dumbass (laughs) (laughs) and then on this opening page again we talked about this on our last episode they work every issue seems like it has this um double page splash and uh, and then they work it here into the clouds. I really like that. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, this this opening double page splash is, is just beautiful to look at. And um, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it in the library edition, and it's just like this oversized, beautiful paper. It's fucking gorgeous. Also, thank you for the library yeah. edition, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember um, recently uh, someone was saying online that you can't start off a comic book with um, a double page splash. Like, it just it doesn't work. Oh, and, um, okay. Yeah, and, and immediately in the comments, you could see Harrow County would like to have a word with you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, exactly. I will admit, though, like when I was reading this, uh, when I was reading this last night, I kept reading it out loud a little bit to myself and I kept reading it in my southern accent. I was all like, <laughs> oh, ghost and goblins were plentiful in Harrow County. They look in damp cellars. They feel the pews crumbling around the churches. They stood up from the muddy bottoms of the near stagnant fishing holes. Oh my God, this is so well. great. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do this now, Aubrey. You're, you're know, committed to thank it. Thank you. This is, this is so, so oh, I'll, I'll keep doing it throughout the I'll keep doing it throughout the episode. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> you are a legend. Yes, yes. But I do like this. There's, you know, the aftermath of, you know, what happened in the last uh, set of issues. I guess when you're reading it all together, you know, that's kind of what she's feeling here. And um, I thought it was interesting to see, like, this relationship with the father, like, be, I guess, somewhat normal again. You know what I mean? I guess, like, those things have, they've reconciled or settled um, I think so it's I thought more, that was kind um, of interesting. They're both kind of play acting to a certain degree. It's sort of like they want it to be normal, and so you act normal. Right. Oh, I, I, right. I totally agree with you there, Mark. Uh, they're wanting to get back to that familiarity of 
of life that they had before all this shit went down. And so mm-hmm. it just seems like, you know, you'll play act and you'll pretend everything is okay. And maybe if you do it long enough, it will. Exactly. Right. Their conversation revolves around like they're getting all these gifts. So people are constantly bringing Emmy gifts like steaks and all this kind of stuff. But the dad says, um, hey, this is like prime cuts of beef. Like we don't have to slaughter our animals and you can name all of them because that was something that happened in the they talked about in the last one that she shouldn't name them. She shouldn't get attached to the animals. Um, I thought that was kind of a cute moment. I like that. Yeah, that was fun. There's another great interaction where uh, she says that she'll cook something for dinner. And he's like, oh, I can do that. And she's like, oh, Pa, your cookie's an affront to people who gave us these things. (laughs) (laughs) And then you get, so you have this one, like, really kind of like, I don't know, kind of somewhat normal, wholesome scene. And then she goes up and has a conversation with the skinless Uh, the bodiless skin yeah Yeah, there you go i love this where she says have you just been slithering around the room waiting for me (laughs) least you could do is pick up after yourself so bizarre (laughs) but it's great i love this but she does talk about like she wouldn't mind having a normal life and then she quickly goes says the girl having a conversation with a dead boy's skin i love that um these two characters are like i don't know they're pals you know there there's a bond between them and i guess they spell it out more clearly later, but it's totally cool for this skin to be just slithering around the room and stuff like that. Mm. I like how she um, she lays the skin down on the bed in a certain way, and then she, you know, with the head on one side and the feet on the other, and then she lays right, the opposite, yeah. and she's just kind of... It's kind of like you'd be sitting there talking with your, your like friend when you were, like, back yeah, in school or something yeah. like that. I really like that this, you know, this arc, um, you know, when you compare it to the, the previous arc, it doesn't have to rush straight into the plot it just lets you sit with the characters for a bit and get a sense of who they are and how they interact yeah so we cut over to i guess this is what emmy does now you know we cut over to the mefford brothers factory some beast is up there it nearly clawed somebody's eyes out or something like that and so i guess you know they've called her to kind of take care of this thing the watercolor this brown as she's like going up the stairs um, this page is really amazing. I mean, like, e- like every panel is just like could be like a piece hanging in a museum. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she comes across this animal, this little creature up there, and again, just like the beast in the last issue, it recognizes her. It says, "I know you, but you're not the same." And she says, "It's Hester Beck you're thinking of. She's gone, and she's not coming back. How can you be so sure?" The little creature asks, and I love the design on this little guy because I won't let her. You can come down from there if you like. My name's Emmy. What's yours? And the creature says, I don't have a name. Yeah, the design is almost kind of like a almost like a pathetic gremlin. <laughs> like the big eyes and the floppy ears and everything. She's a goblin. She's one of my favorite characters. Oh, okay. Oh. A little goblin. Right. They did say goblins in that first panel. We hear the dead skin from inside the, the satchel. It says, Haynes don't need names. And she's like, didn't I tell you to hush? If our new friend wants a name, then we'll suss one out for her. First things first, we need to talk about why you're scaring folks and what it'll take to settle you down. I like that. I, I like just the her whole approach to this. Like, it's not like, how can we get you to stop doing this or stop bothering these people? It's just like, how can we get you to settle down? You know, it's just mm. from that caring, I don't know, kind of point yeah. of view. You know, we've read so many Hellboy comics. It reminds me of that, too. You know, there's that famous... Um, when he meets Darrow the Wendigo, you know, that whole interaction is kind of like, you know, 
kind of like uh, that yeah kind of reminds me of that a little bit and so uh she comes down and she's like it's all done and they they think that that means that it's going to be out of there but she's like no this is this creature's home you guys need to like leave food out for her like rotted fruits and vegetables i didn't come here to run her off this is her home and her name is priscilla oh <laughs> yeah this is this is like quintessential harrow county I, I i like this idea like um these things have to live together you know what i mean and it's not about one triumphant you know the other exactly yeah but there's a fine line right as we see in this next scene because emmy goes outside and this dude just grabs her he just reaches and he just grabs her arm that, that's not cool dude <laughs> That would startle anybody, right? I mean, you don't just go around grabbing people. But he wants um, – he, he's like a jealous husband. And he's like, ah, oh, there's this guy. He's got his eye on my wife. And she's younger. She can't help but notice him. And so you need to do something to him, like afflict him or take a sight from his eyes or whatever. Scar him up real bad so he's ugly. You know, Emmy's – she's so offended that he's asking her to do this. He says, well, you're healing people, but sooner or later there has to be a balance, right? You know, you must be doing like other, that's just the assumption. Right. He's assuming that because she's doing all these good things that she's going to have to do some bad things. He's like, might as well do some bad things with this guy who's trying to steal my wife. You know, but me trying to actually improve and better myself to actually be a better person for my wife. I want you to go and inflict this guy for me. (laughs) You're, You're falling into that Southern draw there. I enjoy that. It, 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 it. <laughs> so you know the interaction doesn't end well she tells him if you so much as look in my direction again i might very well change my mind so she's like i might do something to you too and we cut over to the woods in harrow county this work is just spectacular here uh, there's this one panel right at the top where the light is kind of coming in through the trees um really brilliant i love that the way it's done it kind of uh makes me think of you know when you're in a a church and they've got like light coming in through stained glass windows oh yeah yeah it does look like yeah, that it's got that kind of ethereal quality and as she's walking out there she's thinking about you know hester beck was the mother of all these haints and so since she's been gone they've been out there like kind of doing whatever she's got like um is that like the little steaks or whatever i it, i was like what is that little package right is that the steaks oh it does look like the steak package as she walks through the graveyard all those uh, skeletons, the red fire ones that we saw in the last set of issues, they come out. And uh, I love that she's like, I know, I know, not that way. Don't fret over me. I may not know what I'm doing, but that's played out in my favor so far. Because last time they didn't want her to to go that way. They were trying to warn her. But now I, I like yeah. this. Like during the daytime, it's a contrast. Like in, they appeared to be like this scary, you know, presence before we knew that we're, they were trying to warn her. And now in the daylight, they just seem like they're just like, hey, guys, you know what I mean? Like, they're just uh, it's just it's just different how um, the the perspective of the book has kind of changed. And it lets you know that um, Emmy's different. Yeah. Greeting them with a smile. She's changed things. You know, she she truly has. And uh, I think that this scene, just having them come out in the daylight, I think, really lends to that. So she's going out here to see the beast, right? I guess that's why she has the stakes. And the beast, it's its still really mad at her. You know, use your innards like biscuit to sop up the blood. And she that's what it says it's going to do to her. And she's like, I believe you. I believe you might. I love how, I love how the haint is still speaking with a southern accent, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, we need, but but uh, when Danielle did it, she did like a like some sort of like Irish accent, right? Or didn't she? Oh, I don't remember. That was I don't remember. It was like a, a a Shrek accent. A Shrek accent. Yeah. What is that? Scottish or something like that? Yeah, she did do a Shrek accent. That's a good. <laughs> the Haint says that it's learned to live by himself and appreciate the silence. And she says, I don't think we'll ever be friends. But you broke free from Hester. You don't answer to her or to me or even to fate. The beast is starts to realize, you know, that she's also afraid. You know, that the townspeople could turn on her. And she's not going to have the haints to help her. Because she's not the mother of them. She's not controlling them. Right. I wasn't asking for them. I was asking for myself. I wondered if there might be a way for me to break free too. She's kind of out there to ask it for help. You know, or to ask it for advice. I don't know. I just like how uh, the, the direction that the book is going in. You know, in terms mm-hmm. of these are, they're not like monsters. You know, they're just like other things that have information and experiences and it's just like hey maybe you can teach me about some of this too i could learn something from you i guess yeah it's like almost like they're just like um like misunderstood um animals or creatures or things like that you know yeah 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 we cut over to uh emmy sitting with bernice in front of the house and uh she's like oh i'm glad you stopped by haven't seen you since and then she like looks out onto the chickens and she's like well you know when you saw me last i was just like wow because that was like when yeah the dad tried to like choke her and kill her and all that stuff right it was after that was it after that yeah uh, because they had the whole moment when she returns home and um bernice is there and it's when uh some of the townsfolk refuse to accept that Emmy will live quietly and try to kill her, and she just, like, in defense, just blasts them out of existence. She blasted, like, three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's what it was. I see. Okay, so that lends a little bit uh, different context, because I was, uh, I guess I should have gone back and and looked a little closer. I was thinking that it was, I guess that had also happened, too. So Mm. um, it, it was. I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot, and it was in a short, was that all the same day? It might have yeah. been, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. In one evening. So, yeah. Anyway. Happy 18th birthday, Annie. I know, right? <laughs> That's some heavy stuff. And Bernice is, has also been thinking about all these revelations because they also revealed that, you know, that a lot of the townsfolk were created by Hester Beck, too. Um, I like this. We also see that the skinless boy is is under the porch listening to them. He's always kind of nearby Emmy. Right. But so Bernice wonders, like, what does that make me? My grandfather is someone that was just created out of mud or whatever. Then what am I? There's a moment, you know, there's a beat where she kind of just looks at her and she says, I reckon I'm just another one of Hester's creations, too. I don't know what that makes me, just like I don't know what it makes you, except that you're my friend. If you still want to be, I thought that was great. And, and these character moments are, uh, they, they really give a heart to this book. You know what I mean? Because otherwise the book is just like creepy ghosts and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And like weird stuff happening, but these are really nice moments. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. this issue is for what the content is when you're coming into it, or I guess expectations. And then to actually get through it is like, Oh, well this is actually very wholesome. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. It's um, 
you know, because, I mean, you still got, like, the scary, like, ghosts, but maybe they're not as scary as uh, if you just give them a chance. But then, like, you know, it's still got those nice moments where friends are reconnecting yeah. and accepting each other for who they are. Yeah. Well, this uh, was one of those sections where when I was trying to decide which page I was going to buy, I was looking at this section here because this relationship between Emmy and Bernice is the best. Yeah, so you did you get a page from this section? No, I ended up getting uh, the one from uh, issue three um, when Emmy chooses not to be, you know, the worst part of herself. Ah, okay, awesome. You gotta you gotta send me a picture of that so I can post it. I did like this interaction too. God, and I was gonna ask Danielle about this. I'll have to ask her next week. Mm-hmm. This comment about the chickens. Uh, if they run for cover, it means it's only going to rain for a few minutes. But if they stay in the downpour, that means it's going to rain for some time. And they might as well just keep hunting and pecking. I thought that was really interesting. I thought that it was a great metaphor, too. Well, also the way, the second half of it, you know, when, um, when you know, if you still want to be friends right. that moment. And then she says, I think it might be a while before we see um, our way through to the other side of this storm. So we might as well stick our heads out and see what happens together. That's very nice. I, and I, and, but it made me think, like, is that, a, is that a real thing? I guess it must be, right? I have no idea. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know either. <laughs> it sounds like um, Cullen Bunn and Tyler Crook and, and company know a lot about, like, I don't know, being out there and, like, farmlands. Or, I don't know, I guess, based on their, uh, on their essays and stuff like that. So um, maybe, maybe a lot of that is true. If you raise chickens, let us know if that's true. Yeah, yeah, let us know. So since it's it starts raining, Pa suggests that Bernice stay there. And so they're like, oh, well, this is actually really cool. Um, we'll have a sleepover. And just then, this fancy car pulls up. What kind of car is this? Do you have any idea? Looks like a Rolls Royce. Yeah. Um, I love the, the, the headlights coming in um, on this bottom panel. That's oh, just yeah. brilliant, that work right there. It, I don't know. I mean, it's just like it's raining, but then, like, you know, the lights cut through, and it's kind of this, like, gloomy but warm look to it. Emmy gets pumped seeing this Rolls Royce. She, like, runs out there, and then this woman gets out. Well, hello there, sister. Emmy stood there looking across the rain, and she might as well have been staring into a mirror. The girl was a spitting image. Although dressed more fancily and carrying herself with a kind of poise Emmy had never known, and as the newcomer spoke, Emmy realized that she wasn't as alone as she thought she was. So we saw this character at the end of issue four. How weird, too, like, for what what that kind of revelation would be, like, to see someone that looks just like you. I don't know. I I, I, I think about that sometimes. Yeah. Pretty incredible cover uh, for issue six. It's it's pretty grotesque, too. It really looks like um, I, I just think it's interesting how the cover and then the content inside there is a little I mean, obviously, there is some there are horror elements, but. There are just also really wholesome moments, too. It's almost like a reverse. Mm. The cover is pulling in the horror readers, but then it's like, but then we're going to give you we're going to give you this other stuff, too. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't know. It's it's uh, I remember when Deadpool came out, they advertised it as a Valentine's Day movie because it was like a love story. Mm. And a lot of oh, people were like, this that. is this is tricking girlfriends into going to see this like really uh violent movie you know and it's almost like this is the reverse like we're gonna look make it look like it's really horrible and violent but then we're gonna give you like <laughs> some really some really wholesome stuff too you know i don't know it's just like uh i think that's interesting oh yeah i feel like I, I said it last time but you know the the covers function as a trigger warning essentially it's like uh, that is the worst the comic is ever gonna be and so it kind of 
you know, stops people from coming in and then going, oh, no, I cannot do this and putting the book down. You know, like, I see. If they're looking okay. at the book, they already know they can handle it. Right, right. Yeah. But, yeah, there is that element of, um, you know, the, the one thing that you don't get across on the covers is that wholesome element. And yeah. That's kind of like the heart of the book. Definitely. Do you guys have redback spiders in the States? Because I'm looking at that spider on the hand. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, if that was redback, holy shit, you'd want to get away from that thing. When I look up redback spiders on um, redback spiders, Texas, it shows a almost like a black widow with a different do kind we, of... Uh, so do we have those here? Yeah. So that's different from a black widow spider. Uh, yeah, so apparently, like, redback spiders don't have the... The black widows have the, the perfect, you know, hourglass, and the redback just have kind of something slightly different. <laughs> that's not very comforting, Aubrey. Do you have these um, where you're at, Mark? Yeah, every Australian kid is told if they see one of those to stay the hell away from it. Wow, okay, yeah. So we get another amazing double-page intro um, to this. I love this uh, side of the farmhouse. We got the Rolls-Royce Rose there. And it's kind of like, um, I like how it's kind of like almost divided. Like, here's the car and the house. And then on this other side, it's leading into, you know, all the woods and everything. Um, in the puddles on the ground, it spells Harrow County. Um, that's another great way to put that in there. really love that. Yeah. Totally agree. Lightning flashed as bright and cold as witch's fire. The storm stretched across the sky as far as the eye could see. Although the thunder rumbled and although the rain swept down in stinging sheets, the clouds were still unmoving as if they had stopped. No inclination to go anywhere while they had watched what transpired below. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> Very good. Um, I love this shot of the skinless boy sitting under the house while it's raining, you know, and yeah. the lightning flashes, it kind of illuminates his face for a second I think, um, and then just kind of goes back. In the special features, I, if I remember correctly, Colin Bunn has a story about that. But anyway. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think it's one of the essays that was. In oh, the yes. Yes. Okay. I, I do know which one you're talking yeah. about. So inside the butler, I guess, or whatever, he doesn't like take a seat or anything. He just stands there all like awkwardly. Um, he doesn't say anything either. So that's kind of a weird thing. You know, the dad's kind of spooked, you know, the thunder's going off too. And all this weird stuff is happening. And then upstairs, they're having like a great time. You know, uh, if we see Bernice, Emmy and Cammy, and they're all hanging out on the bed. And they're kind of like exchanging stories, you know. Emmy's like, well, I've never been to New York. And Cammy says, well, I've never been to a farm. She never left the city either. So they've both kind of, I guess, been sheltered in their respective places. Cammy says, I only wish someone had told me I had a twin sister sooner. Bernice says, is that what you are? Cammy says, we look alike. Our birthday is the same. What else could we be? And hasn't anyone taught you that it's rude to interrupt? And so Emmy's like, don't be like that. She didn't mean any harm. But that already kind of, right from right there, I was like, eh, this is not going to go the way yeah. that Emmy is hoping mm -hmm. it will. And Emmy even says, you might understand why she's a bit nervous, why we both are. Cammy says that she was afraid to come there because you know who you really are and I'm just lost. And Emmy says, you're not lost anymore. I'm here with you now, and I'll tell you everything you need to know. I thought that that was really nice. I thought that that was like a really nice moment, you know? And then we cut over to this next scene. This is the scene where it kind of like, I was like, all right, here we go, you know, <laughs> because um, 
Cammy wakes up in the middle of the night. She wakes up Emmy and she's like, let's go for a walk, like out in the dark in the middle of nowhere. And then she's like, oh, Bernice can just sleep. She can stay here. This is something for just you and me, she says. And this scene I thought was like weird and and creepy and unsettling in a way that like I can't really describe Mm. Um, where Cammy is like she's fascinated with the fact that they weren't normal babies and they were brought out of this tree and that Hester Beck is right under this tree and she's their mom. And have you ever thought about that? And have you ever wanted, she starts digging in the ground, you know, like, um, have you ever wanted to see if it's true? If she even existed, you know, she would be right under here. Let's dig her up right now. It was just like, what the heck is going on here? Like, this is not cool. This doesn't seem like this is a good thing. Right. The idea of being with someone that's like this maniacally into something that seems so irrational, but they're like, yeah, no, this is cool. Let's do this. It's exciting. Mm. And I thought that you would want to share this with me. I don't know. That kind of really unsettled me in a way. I like, I don't know. It's just, I really like the way it's got that kind of, um, uh, you know, when you're watching um, a movie and someone gets out of bed first in the mo- first thing in the morning and they're wearing makeup and their hair is all perfectly done and you just, you're like, that's, yeah. that's not right. You're like, you know, it's <laughs> it's even playing on that a little bit. We're like, you know, this is a 1930s head, right. which, you know, that that takes time. It just, it always does. So they've gotten up first thing in the morning and Cammy's hair is perfect. Meanwhile, you know, like you look at Emmy and she's got bed head and it's like... It, oh, like, yeah. It just everything about the scene has got this, there's something really not right here kind of look to it. I didn't even catch that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. I love um, the splut sound effect as she digs mm. her hands into the mud or whatever. Um, that was really cool. Um, the way that. Oh, yeah, that's really good. This is something that, uh, like, if you look through Tyler Crook's work, you start seeing it really emerge here. The way, like, when a sound effect happens, it's not just thrown on over the top of something it's actually incorporated into the environment and he starts doing it more and more as the series goes along and gets better and better at it i really love the way he does it yeah that is um i i love um as those pop up well i think there's a couple more in this set of issues and where he does something similar what's really cool though uh is when they translate these into uh, other languages um there are some of the translators go to painstaking trouble to recreate that for the translations. And Oh, wow. Because like, you know, when you get like a a French book that's been translated into English and you look at it and it's like someone has just typed in a font, the sound effect and slapped it on. Like, I feel like when we get stuff from, you know, Europe, we don't put the time and effort to, into lettering the way they do in, uh europe like when they get a book from america and they translate it they go all out they make those books look gorgeous especially the german editions oh my god yeah i totally know what you're talking about emmy stops cammy from this and she says that she doesn't want to know and she's like you don't you don't really care well me neither i suppose i thought that that was kind of how quickly she's like once she realizes that emmy's not along with it she very quickly dismisses that but i feel like it's deceptive. She's hiding it. You know what I mean? I don't know. This is one of those things where, like, uh, this scene, I love coming back to it because it um, we don't get to spend much time with Cammy in this story, you know, like, uh, given where it goes in the end. And um, I, I really want to find out more about her. I, I like, you know, this whole sense of, like, 
she doesn't like being vulnerable right. i don't think um it's uh, but um in this moment she does kind of reveal a bit of that need of wanting to belong yeah. to to have someone who her to have a mother you know like she does still have those desires even and you know like the, the second she realizes that emmy doesn't you know share them she shuts that down because she does not want to be that vulnerable uh, in front of yes her. yes she just hugs her and she says i'm happy we found each other mm-hmm. she goes back to play acting and just then the skinless boy shows up and again you know uh he comes hissing through in the shadows and she's just like oh look at that you've got a familiar too even emmy says a familiar but yeah i guess like that is what this character is functioning as i guess they did it without us realizing it or i don't know do they have their relationship or are they just truly friends well i mean they'll explore it more i don't don't want to explore like say too much about that because um that's something that they continually explore throughout the run of the series is her relationship with the skinless boy okay okay and especially because like uh issue nine um you're gonna get a lot more detail there when we ah okay okay awesome as they walked back to the house Emmy makes this comment about being quiet. They don't want to wake Pa or that man that Cammy came with. And she says, he's my butler and he's not sleeping. And we see him standing out there next to the Rolls Royce in the morning. That's so weird. Yeah. So far, he hasn't said anything or there's obviously something weird with him. Yeah, it is a little creepy. There's a nice like weather change, I guess, where you can kind of see like, I guess this is still really early in the morning. Like the sun is just coming up, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to, like, the full morning, you know, later, I guess. Um, There's this great shot of the farmhouse, and then we also see that tree. I like how there's nothing nothing around that tree. Like, it really stands out on the horizon. You really see that interruption of all the beautiful greenery with, like, this just jagged thing sticking out. Pa's there making breakfast, and he's like, ah, it's not like you to sleep so late. So because, I guess, they stayed out all night, then she slept in. And then by the time that she gets up, Bernice has already gone. So she didn't even get to say bye to her. And I thought that was a little suspicious, too. I was like, oh, I don't feel good about that they didn't get to say bye. But I guess it's all right. Or Uh, Well, I mean, if you go back and look at the scene with Cammie, like the way the body language there, you know, like Bernice feels like she's on the outside of that conversation. You can see she's got her back to, to Emmy. She's got a shadow over her face. She's got her head hung like you can feel that she feels cut off from her. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Ah, uh, that's unfortunate. Well, I mean, I'm 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 glad that she's all right though. Mm. Um, I'm glad they didn't do anything to that character. And when she asks where Cammy is, Pa says that she went into town to have a look around. I love this shot of all the townspeople's like reflection in the Rolls Royce as they're like ogling it as it drives by. Obviously, like this is a sight, you know, for mm. for this town. I was just to say, though, there, there is nothing like waking up to the smell of um, bacon and eggs being made in the morning. Uh, I can't handle it myself, unfortunately. Oh, I just can't do meat in the morning. Okay. When I was a kid, like, I'd go spend the night at my friend's house, and we'd wake up in the morning, and his dad would be making bacon and eggs, and it'd just be like, it's a nice, pleasant smell to wake up to. And it was, and it was even almost kind of like a farmhouse, even though it wasn't a farm. It was just a really, really old place. There's that, um, there's that office skit where he burns his foot yeah. because he has a George Foreman grill next to his bed so he can wake up to the I smell of burning bacon or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, that's what that makes Oh my god, I love that. Most nights before I go to bed, I will lay six strips of bacon out on my George Foreman grill. Then I go to sleep. 
When I wake up, I plug in the grill. I go back to sleep again. Then I wake up to the smell of crackling bacon. <laughs> so what is your what, what is your um, uh, go-to breakfast, Mark? What what are you having there in the morning? Banana. Okay. I'm boring. <laughs> Banana or uh you know some kind of fruit okay. or whatever. I I have tea in the morning. I've gone into this blueberry chamomile tea. Ooh, People usually good. drink chamomile tea to go to sleep, but I drink that in the morning and it really like kind of chills me out to go to work. Mm. I'm very anxious. I'm a very anxious person and my work is very stressful. So yeah, I drink a blueberry chamomile, hot blueberry chamomile first thing in the morning. Sets me up for my day just so right. Nice. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tea is really good for that for for anxiety. I'm I'm big on tea right now. I'm uh, I, I'm drinking tea all the time. So anyway, yeah. I um, totally get that. I've got a a cupboard dedicated to tea. Nice. Yeah, but I'm mostly about the but I'm I'm mostly about the herbal tea. And a lot of people are like, that's not real tea. But like the black teas and the green teas, those have a little bit too much caffeine for me. I, I can't really do. I do them every once in a while. Um, but for the most part, I stick to like herbal teas and like i don't know white teas i guess yeah at my last job i used to always stop in the morning and get a breakfast taco and get a cup of coffee and that was like a my nice breakfast for for years breakfast taco if you're in texas you gotta do it anyway enough of this breakfast talk oh i could do breakfast talk forever (laughs) i know i love breakfast food wait i'm so so hungry at the moment (laughs) Oh, did you have breakfast this morning? Did, did you eat something? It's morning uh, for you, right? I got a little distracted. Um, I did have breakfast, but it was a small one, so I'm just going to excuse the rustling. I'm just going to quickly grab a biscuit. Nice. No, please do. Yes, please do. Please. Yeah. I've got a fantastic uh, chocolate biscuit I picked up from the cafe. Nice. Woohoo. Man. This is our first. I'm jealous over here. It's making me hungry. This is our first food talk on Book Club member comics. <laughs> <laughs> let us uh, let us know what you have for breakfast in the morning what's your what's your ideal breakfast what sets you up for your day let us know but i do love these shots of cammy in the town and it's it's so funny because you know she looks just like emmy so everybody thinks that it's emmy all dressed up and fancy in this rolls royce with a butler or whatever um, so anyway, it's kind of cute. She kind of plays along with it too. She walks by the Sweeties Cafe and she sees that guy in there, that guy that wanted her to like curse this other dude or make him all gross or whatever. He's startled to see her, I guess, because she's all dressed up or whatever. And so he stands up and he grabs his steak knife and walks out with it. I'm like, what the heck? I mean, I guess what? <laughs> I guess in small towns you can just go stab people or. I don't know. I mean, it, he's that upset about it. I don't know if that's a small town thing. It's more of like a, like a somebody a little mentally unbalanced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or I guess like maybe they have like a sentiment towards like witches or whatever. Like, oh, well, she's just a witch. So I guess it would be all right. I don't know. I mean, anyway, but he takes this knife at her. There's a whole crowd of people and they're all telling her good morning. And oh, don't you look fancy this morning? And she's playing along with it. Um, and she's checking out some of the dresses in the shop. And I just love, like, over these last three pages, um, the colors are just really brilliant. I love all the looks of the town and the townspeople. Their clothing styles and everything, it's just really, I don't know, it's just really nice. It really captures that whole, uh, I don't know, what time period is this? 1930s, so early 1930s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Cammy, she realizes that the dude is following her. He's like you don't remember me or what I asked of you? And she goes, oh, what's that you've got behind your back? 
oh, a knife. And whatever were you planning to do with that? And he's like, I was, I was planning, well, why don't you give me that? So she holds out her hand and he hands it over to her. He's like, I was just, I don't know what I would have. I thought you were, you thought I was Emmy, is that right? And you were going to cut her with his knife? You were going to kill her? And he's like, I just, I wasn't going to hurt her. And she says, yes, you were. And I can't have anyone wishing harm upon my sister, now can I? And then so he tells her about this whole thing. And she's like, and Emmy wouldn't help you with that? Shame on her. Don't you worry now. We're going to be great friends, the two of us. So we cut over to the scene. I mean, I guess you know what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We cut over to the scene. And I guess this is the suitor, the young guy. He's coming over with the flowers. The wife is telling him, oh, you can't keep keep coming around like this. And then something weird happens. Oh, Lord. She looks at his face. He's got all <laughs> this reveal. He's got all these plants growing out of his face. So, like, and the I boils. guess because he had the... <laughs> Yeah, I guess because he had the flowers, he had the flowers, so something with that. But it's pretty horrific, this reveal, and then I guess as he's saying, like, I can't see, and then he runs off, it looks like they're continuing to grow, like the plants are encompassing his whole deal or whatever. Anyway, and so, you know, it's this picturesque blue sky, green fields, greenery, and then when when this reveal happens, then it, it's like this horrible red and black background over these couple panels. I really love that. It's It, it harkens me back to like the old school horror comics, like, I don't know, um, Tales from the Crypt or like EC Comics yeah. or something like that, where you would have, you know, for the horror panels, you would have like some really bright red or something like that psychedelic background. You know how they say like he, he ran off and became another hate and another goblin, but like in this bottom panel, it's all kind of blue, but then like her, her lines are done, like the lines around her teeth are done with like red pencil or something oh, like that. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a image of Cammy overlaid the scene. Yeah. Like she's obviously done this, you know, um, that's a nice way of illustrating that. Yeah. But you're right. There is a little bit of like red worked into there mm-hmm. in the blink of an eye. He had been transformed into another haint, another goblin. All because of a jealous man's fear and a young girl's whim. But I think the uh, the part of that image that you know really you know, it really impresses upon you is that it wasn't just that this guy asked her to do this something and she did it because you know this guy requested. She was just looking for an excuse to do it anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. She yeah. wanted to do that. Oh, she yeah. she liked doing that. I mean, you, yeah, you heard the I, suggestions was... the guy said earlier. It was like, oh, can you like maybe like remove his eyes? Could you make him ugly? And then, so he said the same stuff to her. And then she was like, oh, well, let's just take that a bit further. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just turn him into like a plant monster or Mm. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He's bringing her, you know, like these flowers and everything from the field. Let's like turn him into one. Wow. It added a whole another layer to it that he, to learn that he becomes a haint too. Like he's going to go out there and now be one of these things. Um, so not only is like, she's kind of like damned him to something or cursed him to this whole other life. Mm. But we're starting to see more and more how their magic works. I mean, you know, it's not like, uh, Cammy has to sit down and concentrate and chant and, you know, cut her hand or anything like that. Like you get a sense of it. It's just her will driving it. It's the same thing as, you know, like when she gets up in the morning and her hair is perfect, it's just that's her like background right. magic okay. is constantly working. Yeah. And then we cut over to this issue seven cover, like right after that ending of that issue yes. and then turning and seeing this 
cover. It flows so well, and it's also so incredibly creepy. I mean, it's almost like the sound of music expression and picturesque but it's like oh my god she's covered in blood and she has blood all over her hands you know and it's just like i was thinking that yeah it's the sound i was thinking the sound of music (laughs) the expression on her face and everything it's just like this is just a just a joy to be covered in blood and you know whatever horrible thing has just happened oh yeah i mean you know how it is you do something horrible and you're covered in blood you just have to sing yeah Yeah, go. <laughs> you know, that's my uh, yeah, that's my Saturday morning. That's what I'll be doing tomorrow. So we get another great double page splash here. Emmy and her butler walking through the woods. We have this like rabbit over here and um, the light coming in through the trees makes the Harrow County, um, which is really nice. So we saw that brilliant panel in the last issue of the light coming through the trees. And I feel like they kind of almost subliminally laid the groundwork for, you know, for this one, I guess. Cammy's walking with the butler and she says, isn't it a fine, beautiful day for a picnic? And she goes down there. And so she's setting up this picnic in front of the beast. You know, he's in this shack, that giant black and uh, black beast with the yellow eyes. The beast thinks that it's Emmy. Didn't you hear what I said? I don't want you here. What do you think you're doing? She says, what does it look like, silly? You're welcome to join me if you like. She takes the food out to offer it. And it's like all this gross, maggoty, decayed food. And she's like really excited about it. Mm -hmm. She says uh, to the beast, we've got all your favorites, I imagine. And there's more here than I could ever eat alone. And then she starts eating it. No, what is happening? (laughs) That's going to make me vomit. (laughs) So does does she, I mean, is that genuine? Like, does she really... I don't know. Like, what is this? Yeah. I mean, these are all the questions you should be asking. <laughs> I, I love the way they um, they walk you up to that moment, too. Because, I mean, like, even before she pulls out the food, if you look, she's drinking a black liquid. Like, it's not like it's a red wine or anything. It's just solid black. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that was uh, that was really... I was not expecting that. And it's and it's moments like that where this character of Cammy can be so incredibly creepy in doing things that I guess... I don't know. I mean, obviously, eating, like, decayed maggoty food is, like, disgusting. Mm. But she's, like, pumped about it. Like, yeah. she's... She's doing all this stuff with glee. I think that's what makes it so unsettling. Yeah, and yeah. talking about someone who, you know, she can control her appearance at will and yet she chooses to keep that disgusting smear all around her face and all over her hands. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. God. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see this in, like, in a live action, like how that would gross everybody out. You know what I mean? Oh, like. Yeah. That would be a good gross out too. Like, I mean, you know, I and yeah. I don't think I've seen one like that before where someone's just like super happy mm. about eating disgusting maggoty food. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get over that. I was like, wow. I mean, it's just a, it's an interesting way to do the horror. I think not everything oh, yeah. has to be like somebody's guts are flying out. Like, mm. There are other creative ways to, to scratch shit. that, yeah, to scratch that itch or whatever. You know what I mean? And I think um, it's interesting the way they incorporate the incorporate the horror elements in this book. Oh yeah, and I love the way each arc is so distinct. I mean, you think of the 
the kind of horror that we're feeling in this arc compared to the first and it's very different but i do like this uh she you know she she tells the beast that she's the twin sister and it says you left me too and she goes i was a baby like i love that response is like what, what was i supposed to do right even as a babe you could have stopped it and she says maybe i could have i thought that was an interesting exchange too it made me just wonder how much power is within these two where maybe as a baby they could have done something like babies are helpless like worms you know what i mean or i don't know you know what i mean like i thought that was an interesting comment where she's like yeah maybe i could have like really um that's like um just the tip of the iceberg i guess of like the what they're possibly capable of i i don't know yeah she goes maybe maybe i could have but you could have uh snatched me and raised you yourself if that was all that important to you but we're here now so yeah. why don't we uh Make our apologies and try to do better. Be better friends going forward. I did like this part. I thought that was a good point where she was like, well, what about you? How come you didn't do anything? You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I, I like her responses to how she she, she handles this character. I guess we'll, we're going to continue to see that she's not like a great person. But, uh, but I did like that moment. I, I did like this interaction between her and the Beast. Yeah. And so uh, we cut back to Emmy and it talks about how she can feel something shift in the air. It says um, she felt it from the moment she first saw Cammy. She had chosen to ignore it. Now, like a fever symptom that subsides, only returned more violently. The feeling of dread had returned. I thought that was a brilliant piece of writing right there. I really mm -hmm. like that description um, because I can totally feel that. Like when you feel you're getting sick or just anything. Like anything that's upsetting where you're like, oh, I'm just going to like ignore that for now. It eventually comes back and it's like worse. Yeah. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And um, I don't know. I just really, that really struck me, that, that piece of writing. Yeah. Uh, she talks with her pa. She asks if he needs any help. He's like, of course I could use help. I just figured you'd be busy. She mentions, you know, that she could like just make people you know, out of thin air, and they could do all the work. Pa says, I reckon so, but you won't, because doing that wouldn't be, quote, the way things used to be, end quote, at all. Mm. And so, you know, already we're starting to see a major difference between the way Emmy and Cammy use their powers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Cammy would have been like, yeah, let's make, let's make 10 people. Well, let's I mean, make one giant person that can do all of it. Let's make one... Yeah. freaky monster with 10 arms and a million legs and it'll do everything or i don't know you know i mean that was the whole implication with the butler earlier you know when they were having that whole conversation where she's like oh you have a familiar too you know she's obviously the butler is her familiar oh right okay yeah yes. and the implication right. is he's not a person he was created that's why he doesn't sleep right okay oh, oh yeah, right definitely. okay i did like this scene too there's a lot of this character that i like so she comes up to this like disgusting black pool there's like i don't know some sort of like animal remains in there and she's like oh i hope you don't mind the intrusion i could smell your stew pit from the moment i set foot in the county i wanted to see it for myself come on out why don't you let me get a good look at you and so this thing comes out she says i'm not interested in stealing your bone sauce what a yeah <laughs> and, the, and this reveal so it's like this black skeleton skeleton monster it's got like uh i guess these are parts of the animal remains that it's like taken onto itself to make its body or something like that the way um 
the way they're sticking out of its back, it almost makes me feel like it just slowly absorbs the bones into itself. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Because before it stood up, I thought it was like the rib cage of an animal, but that's its back. So yeah, like it just absorbed that or something. I feel like it's both, you know, it was, it was the rib cage of a creature, but it's also now this creature's back. And she says, I'm not interested in stealing your bone sauce. So that, I mean, that just says a lot right there. First of all, what is bone sauce? And I guess, that's what this creature would be afraid of or that's why it might be hostile you know what i mean so she's trying to assure it you know you just get the sense that she knows a lot about this stuff i took it as like you know bone sauce was like you know it's like i'm not here to steal your 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 gravy recipe or oh yeah something like that you know (laughs) i'm not here to steal steal your secret sauce right yeah or whatever he is i guess or whatever like is in that pool i guess maybe that's what she's referring Mm. to she says uh to this grotesque thing i just i just want us to be friends good friends like we should have been all along i can help you if you'll let me i can help you fill your pit fill it till it's overflowing till it floods the whole wine world if that suits you so we cut back to emmy she's walking through the woods and she's asking herself like why did she disregard all these warnings if she felt so uneasy about Cammy and she thinks it's because she, for a few moments like she felt like she had somebody you know that she had a sister and she didn't feel so lonely as she's walking she sees these like dragonflies she calls them snake doctor <laughs> what what is that That's something that they'll explore later on Okay. Oh, okay. The snake doctor thing is is that well, snake doctor is the name of the next arc. Because this little dragonfly is flying by, and she goes, "Hello, snake doctor. Are you tending to one of your patients? There are many snakes near." Like she's gonna keep talking, but then something interrupts that, mm. and she looks over. She sees a swarm of all these dragonflies, um, and they look like they're making like a like when birds like murmurate or whatever it almost looks like it's making some weird shape in the sky yeah the portents could not be ignored a serpent had slithered into harrow county a poisonous creature tainting everything it touched um i'll just read you a little thing here um this is just a quick google because um i know that there's a drawing on uh some beliefs in the area but a snake doctor generally used to refer refer to dragonflies and damselflies in the south refers to a folk belief that dragonflies follow snakes around and stitch up injuries they may sustain. Wow. Okay. Wow. Huh. So that's like a cultural thing. Like I guess people in the area would they consider dragonflies snake doctors, stitching yeah. up little snakes. So that's what she was saying. She was going to say, "Oh, I think there's a lot of snakes around here who need like help or whatever. Go help the snakes." <laughs> that's cute that's cute you know we have a lot of uh we get a lot of dragonflies around here i'd be like hey snake doctor <laughs> that'd be so awesome paging dr snake we cut over to cammy again now here she is um at some like abandoned field we see like a plow there and uh so she's continuing her quest to like recruit more haints Uh, She talks to a bunch of red eyes that are watching the background. And so they start coming out. Oh, there you are. Thank you for not keeping me waiting. I have so many of you to visit. You have taken the shape of man. So please stand like men. And so what are these? Like these are rats. There's a bunch of rats, but they're, they're in like some sort of husk that are humanoid shaped. 
but they're a bunch of rats making it up. Like three little kids, like all stand on each other to make like a like a adult in a trench coat, right, yeah. or something like that, right? Yeah. This is all the rats like doing that. Yeah, yeah. Are these like it's... dead bodies, or are these like they're reanimating corpses? It looks like they've taken the skins of uh, formerly alive people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> formerly alive people. I like that term. <laughs> Well, I, I don't want to speculate on what happened to the people. Sure, you know, sure, uh, yeah. I don't know either. I mean, I, that's what I was thinking. I mean, like, are they, they could be dead. It, they could be a you know person that's been stripped of their flesh and wandering around attacking people. Right. I guess there's a skinless boy, Ooh. right? So there could be other skinless things. I don't know. Anyway, mm-hmm. this was another... But with the holes cut in all over the place so that they can all peer out. Yeah, just an incredible reveal. And again, like, just another way to do the horror that I haven't really seen. Like, um, you know, a lot of this feels really fresh, you know, and just kind of mm-hmm. interesting. It's not... I mean, it's disgusting, obviously, and all of that, but I mean, it's also... I don't know. I can't help but find myself really interested by it. Like, how is this happening and what is this? And I want to I want to think about this more and know a little bit more about it, even though it's like horrific. Right. I mean, it's just like I mean, it's one of those things <laughs> oh, yeah. where, like on so many levels, it's horrifying. But at the same time, there's this fragment of there's a bunch of rats that just want to be human. Yeah, that's almost cute. You know, it is. <laughs> Yes. It's going to be the prequel of Ratatouille. Oh, I mean, you know, like he starts off underneath the toque, but, you know, sooner or later he's going to move on and take over Linguini's flesh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Mm, yeah. Oh, amazing. Each flavor was totally unique. Uh, so Cammy says to one of them, you plow these fields so you can know what it is like to do the work of man. Now I want you to come with me and help me tend to man's other business. So I guess they're out there plowing the field. Uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, it is kind of interesting to think about that. These 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 mice or whatever, these rats want to be people. And they're mm. like, yeah, this is what people do. They push around this thing. They plow the fields. And of course, man's other business is war. Yes. Oh, yeah. That is other business. You're right. We cut back over to Emmy, and she's hanging up the clothes, and she's thinking to herself, um, strange how something so tedious as tending the wash soothes her now. And if she could hide forever between the rows of drying blankets and work clothes, she might have been tempted to do so. Uh, I really like that. Yeah. Just like, there is comfort in just like doing chores around the house and just, I don't know, doing that mundane stuff. Yeah, I was going to echo that sentiment. It's just like, there's just something that's just like, kind of you're doing a mindless task but it's like you know you're you're, you're mm. comforted in it you know but it's also you know Amy staying in touch with being human and that's kind of like the running theme oh, yeah. throughout yes. it is like no she's not going to create the 10 people to do it she's going to do it you know and 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 work through all those things and and she's going to enjoy some of that too as she's out there hanging the laundry the skinless boy approaches and she says have you been following her i hope you've been careful if she had seen you well I don't know what I would do if she took you away from me. The skin is always standing there, but the skin is hanging like the clothes on the Mm -hmm. line. He says, never friends. She goes, I know we are, aren't we? Do you think the others are as loyal as you? Some of them, but not all. You know what I need to do then? You're no longer my spy. Instead, you're my ambassador. Do you know what that means? Do you know that word? Ambassador? 
and he's like the skin is always taking the hand of the skin i don't know i like that little gesture what is he doing mm. there like saying hi or i don't know isn't that what an ambassador does i don't know i was trying to think like what is that little uh mannerism there i think it's just a comfort thing yeah i mean he's about to put himself in danger right he holds his own hand for a little bit she says it means you're representing my interests out there in the world it means i trust you we cut back to cammy and she's with the butler they're out there in some abandoned shack or something some barn there are like some harpies, right? Or something. She's like, you're not the type to roost. You want to be out there soaring through the night. You want to hunt. Being trapped, being unable to do what you're made to do. That's something I understand. But something you've been waiting for is here. Now you can fly. Fly for me. I love the watercolor on this bottom panel here as we mm-hmm. see the harpies fly out um, into the night. So again, Cammy is just on her like tour throughout Harrow County, just stirring up all the haints. Oh, yeah kind of like unleashing some of that a little bit more um, than what is already like they've been out there, but they haven't been like going crazy, you know? So she's kind of like getting her little army together or whatever. Yeah. Back with Emmy, she's walking out into the woods and she comes across Cammy and the Butler. She says, there's so many things to see so many wonderful creatures all left like gifts for the two of us and we can use them too. And Emmy pushes her away. She's like, I know what you want to use them for. I won't. I know, and I won't stand for it. I just love that, like, even in this scene, you can still see she's got the the rotten stains on her face still. Oh, you're right. That's a nice little tell right there. Yeah. Gross. Oh, I know. Yeah. Cammy's such a wonderfully constructed character. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, and her her fancy dress is all covered in, like, mud and blood and shit like that. Yeah. She really is. I, I do like the moments that she has with all the haints. I love all the little scenes as she's going through and like recruiting. And then we're getting to see some creatures that we haven't seen yet, too, which I think is interesting. But Emmy says to Cammy that they got along fine without her. And we'll be fine once you're gone. You don't belong here. Don't belong here, Cammy asks. It should have been you who was dragged from this place. This is my home more than it is yours. And I plan on taking it back. And so we get this great reveal. The butler holds up his lamp. And behind Cammy are all the haints that she's been recruiting. And some other ones that we haven't even seen yet. And Mr. What's-His-Name with the knife. I like that he's back there too. He's like, what? This dude too with his knife and his cigarette. He's back Yeah, except the knife's even bigger now. You know, like she's been... Oh, she's yeah. Been a little bit. Like it's no longer that steak knife. It's, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, it's like a dad yeah that's a lot bigger this uh last page right here um in the library edition you see the pencils of it and then you also see the inks oh um, nice ah, cool yeah I'll, I'll i'll get pictures of it and send it to you john that would be great yeah but i like how like she's saying like you know it should have been you taken away because this is my place and like i belong here and this is my home i mean she's assuming that had she been raised there she'd still be the same person but if she had been raised there she probably would have been raised by emmy's Emmy's paw Mm. and she probably would have turned out similar to Emmy right yeah interesting yeah is it the the nature versus nurture I guess or whatever I don't know who was she raised by like do we I guess we don't know any of that exactly there's so much to explore there I mean we even get little hints too about um Emmy that we don't really know yet like uh in the the scene back in the um I think it was the sixth issue where they're digging up, you know, in the ground. And like, they're talking about, you know, their mother, Hester Beck, 
but at the same time, there's also mentions about you know Emmy's mother, oh, like her, right. the mother who actually yeah. raised her. Right. And yeah. We're getting a few hints there that are pretty interesting. I just got to point out here: we got like a giant salamander thing. Um, I like him. We have like a snake back there, and then there's something that's like just like teeth and hair. It looks like, or it's just like. I don't know what that is back there, but that's pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is creepy looking. <laughs> um, this issue eight cover is incredible. I fucking love this so much because, you know, if you're reading them all in one go, you get this one reveal where you've got Cammy and all her little, like, little army of creatures, and then the issue ends there, but then you immediately get the issue eight cover, which has Emmy and all her little, like, creatures, I guess. You know, we have the skinless boy, mm. Priscilla the flaming skeleton and the beast. Um, so I, I thought that was really cool. And it really like pumped me up for this issue. Like when I saw this cover, I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be a great showdown or whatever. It's one of those covers too, that really shows uh, Tyler Crook's influences. Yeah. Like uh, the down the bottom with the apologies to Hal Foster. Oh, you're right. Okay. So what is this pain tribute to? Cause I thought it, the posing looked, um, familiar but i'm not i'm not a. I don't get that reference entirely so um i sent you a link in chat you'll be able to see the image oh wow it's from prince valiant yes that is so cool i'll put a side-by-side -side comparison so this is from uh the old school prince valiant what is it like the is this from the the like the strips the comic strips right the newspaper yeah. strips i love that yeah so it's prince valiant and he's surrounded by a bunch of his knights and warriors Really nice. Yeah, it's the exact same posing and everything. I love stuff like that. Same. Opening on this double splash page, uh, we get Harrow County in the trees. It's like all the hanging. Um, what are those trees called? They, uh, there's a certain tree that has this. We have them here. Uh, we have them here in the south. Uh, Danielle and I were just talking about these the other day. Where Are they weeping willows? Maybe I'm thinking of a different tree, but I think like like it's almost like a tree disease or something where it like it can take over like a whole bunch of trees where this stuff is just growing all over it are you talking about like those like little um caterpillar worm things that put webbing around the trees yeah 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 kind of okay. like that it's a great uh version of you know having the title in there and um i just love this panel you know um of all the monsters i love seeing so here we see this thing again so i guess it's not a tr it's not hair and teeth it's kind of like a weird blob thing but the teeth are at the top you know what i mean like the top of the head is the mouth anyway i just think that that's a cool design <laughs> so they're all surrounding emmy and she's calling them off and cammy says yelling won't do you any good dear i'm afraid you can't control them anymore my voice is the only one they hear so uh and then so she has her whole uh dark side moment where she's like we could rule together and all that kind of stuff she kind of like wants emmy to take her hand and there's a beat where emmy's just kind of thinking about it and she just says no and it's just like a quiet no and there's like a tear coming out like i really feel that kind of like emotional like she almost seems scared too i guess in this moment i don't know i really like that i also like that you know like it it's taking into account you know like uh it said at the like earlier in the previous issue how um, when Cammy first arrived, she had a bad feeling straight away. But when we actually read issue five, you don't see her acting that way because she wants to believe that she can actually be someone and not, you know, like have, have a sister and not be so alone. And I feel like, you know, in this moment when she says that, no, it's like finally letting go of that, you know, like the chance of that ever being a thing. 
Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I got a similar thing because it's like, you know, because when she says no, like, because it's like she's saying it like kind of like quietly and she's like, I said no. And you can see the tear in her eyes. But you can also see kind of like the determination to be like, no, this isn't going to be like how I thought it was going to be. But, you know, I can't let you do this kind of what you're doing. Right. So Kami's like, well, that's it. Very well. We had a chance to do something and now you're going to squander it. You better start running. And so she sends like the monsters after her. Emmy gets out of there. And when she does, she turns to the butler and she's like, you have to follow her. I trust you. If these Harrow County Spectres can't teach her a lesson, the task will be yours. And the butler says, and what about you, Miss Cammy?" And she turns and looks at him. That expression right there is just so evil and so, like, treacherous. I remember when we first started seeing Tyler Crook's work in BPRD, Danielle was like, oh, is this that guy that draws facial expressions really good? And I was like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that guy. And, like, right here, I just feel like he captures so much in this just wordless panel oh, yeah. of just Cammy's uh, face, of just her reaction to, what about you? Yeah. The exact quote that she says here is not that she trusts the butler, just that there's no creature I trust more than you. Oh, right, um, yeah. Which, you know, like, it, it echoes a sentiment earlier um, with Emmy when she's talking to the skinless boy. And she tells him explicitly that she trusts him and that they're friends. You kind of get to see the other side of this relationship here. It'll develop over the next few pages, but I do like that they explicitly put that line in there because of what we learn about him. Right. Okay. But uh, her response when he says, what about you? She says, you punish her in your way and I'll punish her in mine. We c- and so that immediately made me fearful for the dad. I was like, and then, and it's it's interesting how they play with you like that because we hated the dad in the last one. And mm. now I'm like, oh, I really hope that she doesn't go after the dad, but it's only because Emmy has a, a relationship with him that I, I guess I care about that character. But right. yeah, they really draw you into those emotional beats. I love this top panel where she's running and then like in the background, all the monsters just make like a giant shape of mm. the whole crowd of them, and you see, like, part of them sticking out here and there, but uh, I think that's really well done. I like that. Oh, yeah, definitely yeah. agree. I think the other reason why you kind of get more attached to the father in this one is because you certainly understand where he was coming from a lot more now that you're seeing Cammy and kind of going, you know, she's just the tip of the iceberg of what Hester would have been. Yes, yeah. okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. We haven't seen that full-on like just malicious intent yet really yeah i mean a little bit here with this character but as emmy's running away you know we get some great action beats here as all like the monsters are coming out together we see that that thing that was in the cesspool or whatever the bone bone sauce guy uh, he comes out he says i'll squeeze out your bone sauce for my bath so that's pretty great i like that <laughs> and uh we also get the harpies coming down and trying to get Emmy. And again, just these sound effects are incredible. I know. They're so good. I know. So we oh, get yeah. the first um, when she trips over the wood. Then when the water comes down to get that bone sauce guy or whatever, it says sploosh. That is mm. so cool how they did that. See, this is what I love about when you have an artist, you know, drawing their own sound effects is like the way it's built into the art. Because... Obviously, you know, the sploosh, you can really see how that, um, you know, how that just takes on a whole other life. But even just with little things like the snicked, thick, thack bit, like, because 
Tyler Crook is doing those sounds himself, there's no detail behind them. Like there's color, but there's no line work, you know, because he knows exactly where they're going to be sitting. So he's left space for it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never actually thought about that. It just functions a completely different way. Yeah, because you can really, <clears throat> you can really see it in the scree right here on the harpy. You know, he's left a mm. space right there to put that. And it just fits so well. I mean, it and it, it's it's uh, just a clever way to incorporate that into the art. Um, those are really nice. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some really good digital letterers that will like incorporate sound effects over the top, but it doesn't quite scratch that itch the same way it does for me, you know, having it drawn on the page as if it was always meant to be there as a part of the art, utterly inseparable from it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Incredible that you could get the artist and the letterer in one in one person, you know, one person to do both. Oh, yeah. uh, that's really cool. Yeah. So Emmy reveals she's got her whole her own army, right? She's got. We see the flaming skeletons and the skinless boy and all the other characters that she's kind of got on her side back there. We see Priscilla and some other ones. It looks like there's some more of those kind of whatever that creature is. Yeah. She says, "You want to catch me? Well, come on. Don't you dare keep my friends waiting." And so they have a big old bash out here. We see. Oh, the skinless boy go after that dude with the knife. I like that. Get him. Get that horrible guy. Oh, man. You even see, like, I guess um, one of these flaming skeletons that sets one of those humanoids on fire with the rats, and you see the rats jumping out. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. (laughs) What a cool little detail to put in there. There's part of me that, um, you know, would really love to see this converted into a a TV series, but then I think of stuff like this, and I'm like... (sighs) If they did something like this, they'd most likely have to do it in CG and you couldn't get the same kind of life out of it. I mean, it would be great if they could attempt it in animatronics to a certain extent, but this kind of stuff is just would be so expensive on a TV budget. Yeah, it really would. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about what the actress who plays Emmy would have to do in an episode like this because you have to play two different characters. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just two different characters, you know, like where they change the costume and everything, but it's like you got to project, you know, completely different, yeah, um, yeah, like experience in right. growing up. Like one of them's going to be have an accent from the south, the other's going to have a New York accent, you know. Wow, oh, yeah. yeah, that would be really cool to see. Actually, mm. in the middle of all this, Emmy runs into the butler. I'd never do anything to hurt my mistress. Killing you, though, I can pretend even for a moment that I'm free. That tells me there is some underlying, I don't know, resentment or yeah, something. Mostly. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And just then, the beast haint it just pops out, uh-huh. and it's just incredible. I love this. There's this huge sound effect as it growls at the butler. And then just like punches him into the ground. What a great save. And it's cool too because like you don't expect this character to come out. Um, It hasn't, Mm -hmm. if anything, you would think, at least I would think that it would be on Cammy's side. And I didn't even notice that it wasn't there with her little army. You know what I mean? Like that detail totally passed me by. But I would have thought that character would have sided with her over Emmy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the great thing about this design, too, is that he can melt into the darkness so well that, you know, if you just have a scene with you know, glowing eyes in the distance and black gra- and a black background, you're just like, your brain just puts him there, even though he's not really. Yes, yes. And even Emmy says, I thought you would have thrown in with my sister in her hands. You say you ain't heard what called me up. And maybe that's the way of it. The beast says she would have known my reason straight away. But you can't suss the reckoning of them what's so different, the unnatural. 
she invited me to a picnic. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's great. Was he so offended that she invited him to a picnic or something like that? Is that what's what's happening here? (laughs) Um, There is a really complicated thing going on here. Eventually, we'll be able to talk about what he has understood about the situation, but it's way too early. For okay. That okay. Anyway, I mean, either way, I, I enjoyed that, that line there. Um, I thought yeah. it was cute. So Emmy runs into the house. And so as she's running, look at this panel as they're focusing up, like you see her running up to it, even though mm-hmm. it's not there. Like I even see like the whole shaky cam type of thing. You know what I mean? The way that, um, they illustrate that is so interesting um and then even as she bursts through the door there's a lot of motion there that that one panel leading up to the door uh, that's just the door kind of reminds me a little bit of um eel dead when the uh, camera yeah it's exactly that it's exactly that kind of sam raimi shot um and i love her franticness as she slams open the door you know even the door is kind of like not even a solid shape there's like some of that leftover residual motion or whatever I don't know. It really just lends that frantic, just like interrupting out of nowhere, her bursting into the house. She tells Pa, they're after me. We have to bar the doors. Keep them out. He says, why don't you bring me the shotgun? And then she says, yes, Pa. And that's when we realize that that's Cammy. Oh, that was so awful. <laughs> I, I hated that. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those things where uh, I was kind of looking for it, I guess, is that, you know, the second she came in through the door, I was like, oh. How did you know, though? I totally, I don't know. I didn't. Her part is on the other side. If you look at her hair. Oh, that's, wow. That's a great detail. She's a mirror image. She's a mirror. That's right. Ah, that's that's really good. Yeah, it is on the other side because we normally don't see the, yeah, yeah. I do notice that now. Yeah, so the, I, I hated this moment. I mean, obviously, it's it's it sets up. Uh, it's meant to be suspenseful and everything, but I was it really had me like on the edge of my seat. I was like, oh, are they going to kill this dude? Because I guess they kind of, if they did do it, like I could see that because it, well, he did like some horrible things in the last arc. But uh, yeah, I also felt really like I didn't want that to happen. Mm. She points the gun at him. She pulls the trigger and there's nothing in there. The, the gun was empty. And Emmy comes in. I had you wrong, you know. You tricked me. At first I thought you might want to be my friend, my sister even. But that's not the way of it. And so Pa's just there like, what's happening? He's just kind of like realizing now um, that the one that came in was Cammy. She says, you're jealous. I have people who care about me. And that's something I reckon you've never known. Cammy's like, your pa, he's not even real. And he says, he cares about something about me. And that makes him real enough. And just then the floor cracks open a root or something. Yeah. A tree comes out and it grabs Emmy and pulls her under the house. Again, the color and the sound effect. It just really enhances that whole moment. Definitely getting evil dead vibes here. Yeah, yeah, especially as it's pulling her, it's pulling her and she's like dragging her nails in the dirt or whatever. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely an Evil Dead kind of Sam Raimi shot right there. Uh, But at least she leaves the paw there because I was like, okay, what's going to happen now? But she's like, you stay here. I'm going to go deal with Emmy and then I'll come back. So I was like, well, I guess he's all right for now. 
so they have their showdown. They end up under the tree, under the, the tree where Hester Beck was killed. And Cammy says that Emmy's afraid, scared to see their mother's face. That woman, Hester, is not my mother, Emmy says. You talk about love, but the only person who ever really cared about either of us is in the ground right there. How can you deny her, Cammy asks. If you want her, you can have her, Emmy says. I did not see this coming at all. I guess even though they kind of set it up earlier where she was like, oh, we should dig up Hester. This is the tree where she was buried. You think she's really under here? And all this kind of stuff. But so what happens is Hester comes out of the ground and grabs Cammy. We get a whole splash page here to see the grotesqueness of it. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. I mean, it is horrific, but it is just also, I don't know, these white lines um, in the hair and on some of the outline. It's just really brilliant what they've done with the color and the expression on Cammy's face. I mean, it's the only time in the book that we've ever really seen her, like, not just be, I don't know, totally confident and, I don't know, evil or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, she actually looks scared. Yeah, This horror is done so well as hester's corpse pulls cammy into the ground Mm -hmm. and then the like ground seals up but this top panel where she's screaming no emmy help me like that is i mean that reminds me of a bernie wrightson you know creep show type of panel i mean right there that is like yeah so amazing um the color is incredible and it just really captures the emotion of the characters it's like it's horrific but it's beautiful too i mean i don't know it's just um it's it, it's just one of those things, you know. I don't I, I don't know, and it it gave me some real real big Bernie Wrightson vibes on this whole thing. I really like the way um the the posing here, the way you can feel the struggle yeah. because in every single panel, Hester's hands are in a different place, so you can feel that like scrabbling, clawing, like you right. know, kind of. It's uh. just, that's really nice, especially like you know that panel where she's like grabbed a clump of her hair and dragging it down. It's like man, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Emmy even has to turn away to avoid seeing the end of it. And then when she turns back around, it's just like a hole has closed up in the ground. And the whole time she's being pulled under, she's like screaming for Emmy to help her. Yeah. You know, please Gosh. help me. I mean, you're seeing yourself ask you for help as it gets like this horrific thing, you know happening to it and anyway just this last page this reveal i mean it's just emmy sitting in front of that hole she says i'm sorry that's that's some good pacing that's some good pacing right there Mm -hmm. we cut back to the house and they're fixing up the house you know because that thing like came out of the ground and then pulled her under and all that stuff pa says i don't mind the work it reminds me that this is real that i'm real and that you and me are both real too it's good they end that way you know like it hits home that uh you know, what they've been doing thematically throughout this entire arc. So I thought this was interesting. Emmy says, what happened to her? Do you think I made it happen? So she's unsure if she brought Hester Beck out of the ground to grab her, right? Is that what she's wondering? Yeah. Oh, that's what I, that's what I gather. Yeah. So what is your interpretation of that? I can't really give one because I know where this is going. Oh, okay. What do you think, Aubrey? What, what do you think? I guess me and you can talk about this. From my initial reading, I, I kind of feel like she woke up the corpse. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I just not, I'm not 100% sure, but I mean, it just seems like she was unable to wake it up enough just to pull Emmy, uh, sorry, Cammy down. Right, right. Uh, into the ground. I feel like maybe she had something to do with it, but 
maybe not that malicious intent of this thing is going to kill Cammy or it's going to drag her into the ground or whatever, but because she said you want her, you can have her. So I think like she did something while maybe that wasn't her intent. She did something. Mm. We do get a, yeah. a better sense of what um, Emmy and Cammy are to a certain extent, because you know, uh, back in issue six, when they were digging at the tree, they had that whole question. Are we even going to find a body? I mean, when Hester was buried and they were born, were they essentially a reincarnation of Hester? So there would be no body, you know, like here we kind of get an answer to that oh, question. Yeah. We actually see that, yeah, there is still Hester there. And Hester clearly wants something with both of them because while it did eventually drag Cammy down, it grabbed Emmy first. So, you know, like the whole roots. Oh, right. With Emmy, the roots. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the roots. You're right. Okay. Yes. That's interesting. Hmm, I have to think about this a little bit more. <laughs> In the wake of Emmy's confrontation with her sister, the ghost of Harold Candy had fallen silent. But those who had sided with Candy and those who had defended Emmy scurried back to the grave, the place where all dead things lurk, dreaming of the time when they might live again. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Aubrey. That was great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that was that was great. I I, I really enjoyed this uh, this set of issues, and um, I, I I loved that character of Cammy. I thought that she was so good. Um, what a great like villain character. A lot of times, like um, I don't know the, the the story really rests on how good the antagonist is or whatever. And I thought I loved all the scenes where she went and like met all the different monsters and. Um, her whole demeanor I thought was fun, mm. even though ultimately she was a bad character. I think just because it's an evil character doesn't mean like you can't have fun with it. And yeah. I liked her dialogue. I liked the way that she dealt with people and dealt with the monsters and stuff like that. It was it was fun to see another side of the Emmy character, I guess, because I guess she could be that way too, or I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, so um, I'm curious about uh, what you both think of this last panel. What do you mean with the tree having its foliage back? Yeah, never has green looked more ominous. I was like, whoa. That's a, like a little shop of horrors type of feel, right? Or something yeah. like I've yeah. got some, I mean, got some it, food it, under it there. It has that, yeah. you know, the caption saying, dreaming of the time when they might live again. It's just right yeah life is coming back to that some way or another so does that mean life is coming back to hester Beck too yeah so yeah this whole uh ending um when harrow county was originally started it was always supposed to be an ongoing series but they didn't know how well it was going to sell so they had a kind of a cutoff point where it's like if we get to issue eight and it isn't selling well, that's going to be the ending. And, you know, we may return to it as a mini series later on. Um, so this was kind of designed to be a stopping point, potentially, if they weren't able to get, keep going. Fortunately, it did sell really well. And so it did continue as an ongoing series. Oh. But yeah, this is what this could have been. Wow. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. I actually appreciate that they, they, they planned it out and wrapped up the particular thing because i mean this could actually this does kind of feel like an ending even though you know and i don't know it's just like nice to have a nice cutoff point yeah um because they're like i don't know i mean so many times like you'd be watching a tv show it ends on a cliffhanger and then like sorry we've been canceled yeah. <laughs> well it's still you know have the the potential to do more like you know it's not like it's closing the door completely 
but right, right. Yeah, that's very common with um, Cullen Bunn. He likes to um, have a stopping point early on, just in case the series doesn't uh, sell mm. well. Okay. But in this particular case, it did sell well, and uh, you can tell the difference because when you go into the next bunch of stories, you, it starts getting, you know, like into the the really big stuff. Nice. Okay. Okay. Did you want to talk about some of the supplemental material, Mark? In the original issues, as part of to try and get people to buy the singles, they put just one shot little short stories in the backs of the comics. And uh, occasionally they'd put like essays as well. Um, and if you are interested in that stuff, you have to get the library editions because it's not collected. Yeah, it's else. not in the omnibus version. And it's not in the trades either. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, so it's it's strictly a library edition only kind of thing it's you know because the library editions are the deluxe for the fans that really love the series kind of thing yeah very cool yeah so um there are a couple like little stories and um and essays um i thought it was kind of interesting so you got tyler crook you got cullen bunn and then how do you say it maot i believe it's uh essentially i think tyler crook's significant other yeah so tyler crook's partner they all write essays and they're really cool um about like weird ghost stories and you know like kind of like um southern um mystery stories or weird stuff that happens so um mark you mentioned like um they there's that shot of the skinless boy uh sitting under the house as the lightning is going and Cullen Bunn talks about a story that someone was there. He saw someone under his house, right? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. It was like a dude living under there or something, or he was squatting under there. Yeah. I can totally relate to that sort of thing too. <laughs> what Have you, have you seen that kind of thing? Uh, a couple of times actually. So, um, uh, one time, um, this is when I was a real little kid, um, is, Christmas morning, so it would have been like about maybe three or four in the morning, and um, this guy, I was woken up with a guy pounding on my window because someone had beaten him over the head with a fence fence post, and he had blood running down. There was like these bloody marks all over my windows. He was like trying to call for help. Oh my god! Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, I can relate to the whole like you know you're feeling safe at home, and then suddenly there's something there that you would not expect. But yeah. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah, so I, I enjoyed those essays. Um, I wish I had known about so because they even say, like, do you have, like, a weird story? You can send it in. And so they even had, like, their own um, little, like, I guess where they were. Yeah, asking. the letters column was really great. Yeah, I would have liked to have submitted stuff because I have some, I don't want to, I guess, I don't know, maybe these are stories for another time. But I have some weird stories, too, um, from growing up ghost stories you know see something weird at night or i don't know weird like supernatural stuff uh didn't you did you grow up in alabama aubrey do you have any stories like that i i don't i don't, I don't know <laughs> i don't want to sound dismissive but like i've, I've been pretty skeptical oh, of yeah like yeah i mean life, obviously so... it's just kind of like yeah stuff that you just talk about i don't but yeah. it, but I, I do like um i do like a good ghost story i do like a weird like i don't know i feel like at at a younger age or when you're in that adolescence, you're like kind of craving for something weird to talk about. I don't know. Or some, I don't know. You kind of seek that out a little bit. Oh, of course, of course, of course. You know, but, uh, and, but not some bloody guy who was just beaten over the head, coming to your door or banging on your window. That's not something that, that anybody wants. <laughs> no, no, yeah. definitely not. 
kind of took the shine off Christmas. Oh, oh no. Shit, on Christmas. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and then there are also like kind of like these one-page comics. Let me go through some of these. So there's uh, this first one is Baptism by Cullen Bunn and Owen Gianni. And this one is basically like a kid get – this kid is afraid to get baptized because they have to put him underwater. And, uh, and he didn't want to do that. And then when they do it, then, like, there's a huge current and, like, then he's gone. Yeah. That's just that's just messed up and scary. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Something happens and they're like, we don't know if something got him or if he was swept away with the current, but he's just gone after that. Mm. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tales of – oh, they're called Tales of Harrow County. Um, we got another one with the same team – what was lost and on this one <laughs> mark is just laughing already this, it's fucked know, up this one is. is like it's so gratuitously horrifying. yeah so um in the town of winslow for instance when the moon is bright and the night is calm you might see a newborn baby crawling along sniffing at the air like a hound on the hunt it's birthing cord still slithering on the ground behind it attached to something a figure falling along in the darkness and calling out to the infant oh so softly. Keep looking, little one. We'll be a family once again. And we see this horrible, grotesque little baby wrapped up in the cord. And, like, the figure that it's connected to, I guess, is just, like, some weird, like, Slenderman type of... It's thing. fucking yeah, creepy. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, yeah. And this couple, this couple that it comes across are just like... <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, that's a horrible. That's a horrible image. A lot of these are just guest artists, you know, jumping on. So it, it sort of shows you how uh, Harrow County could have been interpreted. Yeah, no, I I, oh, I, I yeah. do like this because it just kind of like spreads out the world a little bit. And I think like you were saying, there was one in every issue, right, or, or every other issue, or so. there was uh, almost every there was issue. like a little a cartoon or an essay in in each one, I guess, or something like that. Uh, for the most part, there was both, but um, not not all the time. Uh, you know, like, for example, issue four, there was nothing, but that was because issue four was a slightly longer issue and things like that. So I see. This one, All Hallows' Eve, I guess uh, people, they line up and they bring, like, these really extravagantly cooked meals and leave them out to rot in front of this haunted place. On the last panel, we see, like, some creepy monster or something i guess behind the door yeah we see like its hand opening and it's like an eye right yeah so i guess like people bring it bring it food so it'll leave them alone or so it'll protect them or something like that doesn't does it really say yeah supplication um something to satisfy your (laughs) cravings yeah so they're like don't eat us eat this stuff i guess that one's not too bad that one's kind of all right i guess it's more mood piece (laughs) it's it's nowhere near as bad as this baby next to it (laughs) yeah um the bat house this one's by tyler crook and maat crook and so this one's called the bat house and uh this is basically it's a hat it's a house that's infested with bats you know their droppings are everywhere and so kids from all over they like dare each other to go into the house um and their bravery is judged by whoever can make it in there the farthest no one ever made it into the attic but earl henry's boy came awful close Suffices it to say that the people of Harrow County are particularly careful to remove the vermin from their attics. And so we see this little kid got turned into a bad monster, right? Is that is that right? At the end of this? 
Mm. I kind of felt like it was like that was that that bat monster creature was living on the top, and nobody had actually made it to the top. But I actually, now that you say that maybe the kid turned into the bat monster, that actually makes more sense. Yeah, because I think um, that's that little kid that's walking up there in this third to last panel. Yeah, and he turns and he got possessed or something. That's that's not good. I guess it's still not as bad as the baby. <laughs> I think that's actually the worst one, to be honest with you. <laughs> I thought, uh, so here's another one, the same team, uh, Tyler Crook and Maat Crook, um, the hunter. I do. I thought this one was pretty cool. So this guy's out there, he's uh, waiting to shoot an animal or shoot a deer or something, and he sees like this grotesque undead deer walking through the swamp or whatever like rotted flesh yeah so he shoots it and i thought this was interesting so he shoots it and the the corpse dies or whatever the or it was already dead but it like flops into the water but then there's like a ghost transparent image that stays upright and so the man looks at it and then it looks at him and then on the last panel we just see a bloody mess and the guy is gone so I guess like he yeah. shot the thing yeah. and then the thing got him. It's sort of like uh, almost like the creature is um, taking its revenge on hunters one by one. Oh, okay. See, oh, I like that yeah. too. Yeah, because it's called the hunter, right? And so you think it's this guy, but it's really the monster is the hunter. This one is called Daughters, written by Tyler Crook and art by Cat Farris. This one was so odd. So this woman works in a, a, labor, a lumber mill is she's alone and she has an accident where her arm is cut off. So she goes to the hospital and during the recovery, she conceives and births a daughter in the hospital and the child was a splitting image. So then she kept having more accidents over the years. We see now her leg has been cut off in another accident. And so on the last panel, all her limbs have been cut off and then she has a daughter for every limb that has been cut off and they're like positioned where like two are like in the place of her legs and two are in the place. I don't know. It's just so weird. This this yeah. This yeah. almost seemed like a like a Mike Mignola type of I don't know that weird kind of like out there kooky type of folktale type of thing. You know what I mean? I don't know. It almost mm-hmm. reminded me of that kind of sensibility that we get from him sometimes. It it made me think of like you know this is like really creepy and weird, but also kind of wholesome. Yeah, I mean she. <laughs> She seems pretty happy there. She says, uh, don't worry about me, though. I take solace in my beautiful daughters. <laughs> and they all look exactly yeah, like her. Yeah, they all look exactly like her. So yeah. she's, like, made other versions of herself that do have limbs. I don't know. It's That one's bizarre. <laughs> Kat Farris, uh, she actually has uh, done another comic um, with, um, t- sorry, with Cullen Bunn. Uh, that came out only last year, The Ghoul Next Door. It's like a children's graphic novel. Uh, I definitely recommend it. Nice. Okay. I like that. And then I loved this last one, uh, Mold by Tyler Crook and Simon Roy. The, uh, I, I, I really liked this one just because uh, w- one time Danielle and I lived in a, in a house. The mold was so bad. Uh, first of all, I kept getting sick all the time because I'm allergic to mold. The mold was so bad that it, ate one of it ate an armoire that danielle had like it literally like the mold came up from the floor and got into the Ugh. dresser and we had to throw it out um and it was like it, it, it at yeah. the time it really sucked reading this comic it makes me laugh about it a little bit but yeah we had to move out of that place it was horrible mm. um that place should have been condemned anyway uh, so there's a there's this home and there's this like giant mold stain 
and so the mold stain it's a almost a holy uh, a whole silent page of panels and so the mold stain it it grows like a mold man over a couple panels that like comes out of the wall and then just immediately crumbles into all this dust when it crumbles i was like already rubbing my eyes like just from looking at that panel like oh my god i can just oh, imagine yeah. all the spores imagine and everything the, and then, imagine the smell i know and then so the, la- the last panel is like a real estate agent bringing like a like a couple and their baby in there and she says now there's a tiny bit of water damage but other than that the house is in tip-top shape a fine place to raise a family Ugh. So yeah. and, and there's a lot of flooding. There's a lot of flooding in Houston. So like we do have houses that you know get all fucked up with mold. I could smell this this comic right here. Yeah, <laughs> creeps me out. So um, this one I find interesting too because the people that show up are clearly not in 1930s clothes. Oh yeah. Oh right. So you're kind of getting a, a sense of what Harrow County could potentially be because uh, very early on. Colin Bunn had this idea that, you know, they are going to tell an ongoing story in the 1930s, but it can really explore any time. And, you know, like there's the, the door is open for them to leap around to different times and explore other people that have lived there. And yeah. Yeah. That, so, you know, I guess like Harrow County still exists or there's still, you know, there's still um, in the modern times, I guess there's stuff going on there. So that's really interesting. You know, I mean, even if they're, I guess we still have a lot more to read through here, but I guess they could expand or they could see, you know, they could pay homage to things or I don't know, maybe that tree is still there. Right. What's, yeah. what's where the tree used to be? You know what I mean? Or I don't know, you know? So, um, that, yeah, that's, a, that's interesting how they've placed that last comic in the modern times or at least more modern than this. So this, um, he also had like, since you're talking about the tree, they also have essays in the back where they just talk about different things. The first right. one being Let's Talk About the Tree by Colin Bunn, where he talks about yes. his uh, fear of old trees when he was young and how, like, you know, he just had this tree that felt mean. And um, he mentions, like, this blade that was, like, stuck in the tree and everything. And yeah. yeah, it's, like, super cool. But um, that was one of those things where, like, I could really relate to that too just because, like, uh, when I was a kid, there was a – slasher like you know uh, like on the back of a tractor that was like you know cutting the grass and one of the blades came loose and went flying past me about a meter away from my ankle so if it hit me it would have taken my feet off at the ankles and um oh my god just smacked into a tree and like buried in so deep no one could pull the blade free and um yeah so that like there's this rusted blade just sitting in a tree all the time while i was growing up wow wow that's an incredible story yeah and they and he does talk about it how, for some reason, uh, his dad went and pulled the blade out of the tree at one mm. point, and he says, "I don't remember why, but the big tree lost some of its magic that day." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like uh, I don't know, just that idea that there's a weird tree with a blade in it, and it's just like I wonder. I guess there's a lot of trees that have weird stuff in them. I I saw. Mm. Uh, reddit post the other day where someone was like chopping some wood and they found glasses in the wood yeah. like a pair of glasses oh yeah like a pair of like reading glasses like that's well nuts. you know like um, know, if guess. a tree like you know just keeps growing and something's wrapped around it or set in it it's just gonna incorporate itself into it yeah mm-hmm. that's nuts mark yeah. that's a great story i'm glad that you didn't get your feet chopped off <laughs> same <laughs> <laughs> 
There's another. Uh, there's one from Cullen Bunn where he talks about his dad went into a church. He or his motorcycle broke down and he heard a piano coming from a church and he went and checked it out and he saw a ghost in there. Ma Ott Crook has a great story about uh, working at a movie theater, oh, yeah. uh, Tower Plaza, and there's a ghost called El Guapo and all the things that El Guapo did including her actually seeing the ghost at some point. I thought it was great because it's just like it's all these stories about being in a movie theater and mm. all the creepy stuff that happened. Those were really well done. There's another one about um, by Ma'at also about running away, trying to run away, you know, and then um, getting scared and all that kind of stuff and um, being out there in the train tracks and stuff like that. I can definitely relate to a lot of that. We used to like do stupid stuff. Like oh, I'm yeah. surprised we weren't killed. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Some of the stuff that we would do, like one time we went like down into the sewers, like through a Creek. Oh wow. And then we ended up like in the sewers and like, oh, wow. we, uh, we, we saw a manhole cover. So then we like climbed up to the manhole cover and we tied something on it on through one of the holes and then we when we got out we rode around on our bikes and tried to find where we were and we couldn't find it we were trying to look for a manhole cover that had something tied oh on wow it, so we could figure out where where we were crawling around underground and we couldn't find it and i was like thinking about it now i'm like what the fuck are we doing under there we could have been like what if something had happened what if somebody yeah. had, somebody had fallen and broken their leg or we're down there doing like what if we they had switched the water on or something and we all drowned down there? Who Damn, knows? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, God, it's so stupid. I don't know why we would do stuff like that, but it was just like kids doing dumb stuff. I don't know. Yeah, we have. Anyway. My brain immediately thinks of like, you know, if you did find the manhole cover and you can see that loop of thread and you're looking at it, then all of a sudden you just hear a noise underneath and then slowly it unties and then gets sucked down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we actually had these uh we had these woods going uh, behind my house when we were growing up and one time we got lost in them it was like me and my sister and two brothers or my two younger brothers Jeez. Uh, and it's it's actually kind of hilarious because they're not that big i mean it's it's long but like if you go like far enough you can hit the other you can hit the main road right but we went the long way and we're like we couldn't find our way back and next thing you know i was like hey this looks familiar and i jumped inside this ditch and then we followed it all the way back and we were in our we and the woods were behind our house but when we got back to the house we were in the front of the house it was kind of weird <laughs> oh wow did y'all like walk yeah. all the way around the earth I'm just kidding <laughs> no it, 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 it's like it, it's like if you were to see a map of the area it would make sense right. Uh, but uh, the way we went, but it's just yeah, it's just so weird and dumb. But 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 that's scary too because that happens all the time. People get lost and they die out there, and they're like, and then they find them like they were a couple, like maybe right. a mile yeah. away from their car or something like that, or less than a mile away from their car or whatever. Yeah, it's that's funny. Is when, when we got back home, my grandfather was like, didn't even know we were gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing too. Is like my parents never knew where we were. Like they just let us go do whatever, and we would just who knows what we'd get up to. We'd just go on our bikes, and we'd just totally be unsupervised for like all day. You know what I mean? And we'd just like be out there just doing mm. dumb stuff. And anyway, right? It, it, we're, we're lucky we we got yeah. to grow up, and we didn't get our le- feet chopped off or drowned in a sewer or whatever lost in the woods <laughs> lost in the woods getting fucking devoured by nothing there were nothing back there <laughs> <laughs> you got some really big mosquito bites anyway yeah there was uh one place um like a I, I moved house when i was a little kid um 
the new place had like just like acres and acres of uh, swamp swamps behind it. And, you know, when we first moved in there, you know, you put on your gum boots and everything. It's like, I'm going to explore the swamp. Step out and almost immediately it goes up to your knee and they're like just swallowed those gum boots and never oh, saw those gum boots shit. again. But anyway, <laughs> wow. so from then on I explored barefoot. But um, I, I liked going out into the swamps and exploring and there was this one area where like you could see the kind of uh, the, uh, the water had like a horrible oily surface to it you know you could tell there was something wrong and as you approached like you could feel the ground underneath your feet sloping out so this whole swamp by the way is knee deep at least and you can feel it sloping down and i just remember exploring that area once and that like fetid kind of disgusting it had a bad Mm. smell pool uh it had a a skeleton rise up out of it and it was uh, a dead kangaroo oh shit oh anyway so when you get to the bone source creature in in this story, it always reminds me of that. The bone oh, wow. guy, yeah. Mark, yeah. you have some fucked up stories. You should write like a scary comic <laughs> book or something. You need to write like the Australian version of Harrow County or something like that, man. Because wow, oh, you have some stories. Me, like, there are like <laughs> no, uh, uh, my stories have nothing on like my cousins. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Pull them all in. It's all fair game. Just <laughs> oh man, we we gotta have uh we uh, we we gotta have more talk like this uh, next time we come back to Harrow County. Um, I'm sure Danielle has some stories too from Louisiana and stuff like that. Um, oh yeah, yeah, because uh, I, I think we all have uh, uh, and and maybe our listeners can tell us too. Did you just do some dumb stuff out there in the woods or whatever? Did you get lost like Aubrey did and walk all the way around the world? Uh, let us know. <laughs> let us know. Listener feedback. <laughs> awesome. Anything else you wanted to say about Harrow County or anything else, Mark, before we wrap up? Thank you so much, Mark. It was so great to have you on again. And thank you so much for your time this evening. That was really fun. I'm excited to come back to some more Harrow County next month and talk to you again. Yeah, we'll have to like somehow uh, find a way to get the second volume for Aubrey. I know. I was, <laughs> I, I was looking at it right now and I was like, oh my God. But uh I, I I've been able to find some really expensive books for a reasonable price. I don't know in the past. I don't know. I kind of that's one of those things I'm I'm good at. So oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll see. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to like speak yeah. before or whatever. But yeah, don't no one jinx, jinx it. it. But yeah, I I don't know. I had an asterisk book like that where um I really wanted to get that particular hardcover because I started buying the the collection before I realized that the first one was out of print. Holy shit. And, um, huh? Oh, he's, looking, just looked it up. He just, he's looking it up right now. I looked it up. It is like oh, yeah. almost a thousand dollars. Yeah. That was pretty much the state with this, uh, asterisk oh, thing. The, the, um, first volume was at least a thousand dollars. And um, I managed to track it down eventually for 60 bucks. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. You know, um, I guess uh, listeners uh, from the Hellboy Book Club will probably be angry or, I don't know, they'll want to like. But, like, um, for me, it was uh, Plague of Frogs number four, the hardcover. You know, I was trying to look for that one mm-hmm. everywhere, and uh, I couldn't find it. And people are asking 300 to $400 for it or something crazy like that. And I eventually found it for 80 bucks, yeah. which is still a lot. That's still oh, a lot wow. for it. But, like. Yeah, that's relatively. I mean, when you consider the individual trades, like when they first came out, would have been twenty bucks each. Yeah, like, it's not. Yeah, it's bad, not. Really. You know, and if I could find the Harrow County uh, Library too for around that price, I think that would be a pretty good. You know, I don't know. I'll. I'll I have my ways. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of the black That's why I felt bad, kind of, you know, like I really wanted to get that book for Aubrey, but at the same time I was like, oh man, am I like are, cursing? Are all of them like that though? You know, like, are all of them so like hard. that? Or The fourth one is still relatively in print, so you'd be able to get that okay. one cheap at the moment. Two is two the is the hardest one to find. find. Okay. Oh wow. So yeah, we'll we'll find it. We'll we'll track down a copy. I'm sure we will. Um, yeah. yeah, but um, I'd certainly want to get four before it. You know, just it just get it and put it in like a closet others. somewhere. Yeah, that might be a good idea. That might be yeah, a good exactly. idea. And and don't look, you know, under the cover because uh, that's spoilers. That's for when you finish reading the series. Yeah, it's it's uh, got a secret cover underneath the dust jacket. Oh shit! Oh, okay, okay. The, the secret covers are really cool. I love that they do that. Oh, okay, nice, nice, awesome. Well, man, now I want to track these down. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just going to stick with the omnibus versions. I've got a, I've got some Black Hammer uh, library editions to to collect now. So yeah, um, I'll probably stick to the omnibus versions for Harold County. And, but anyway, uh, thanks again, Mark, for coming on. We'll have another great episode next week. Hopefully, Danielle will be back. And now, Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us on our journey through Harrow County. I want to hear your thoughts. You can send us up. Hey, you damn guys at bookclubmembercomics at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at bookclubmembercomics and on Twitter at bookclubmembers. And you can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website and our our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Dr. Han for the theme music for our letters theme. Thank you, Paul. Thank you to Mark for joining us today and taking us on this journey through Harrow County. And thank you, John, for everything you do. And Danielle, please get better soon. <laughs> our theme music is by Only Beast. You can also find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you're in the iTunes, why don't you open that up? And give us a five-star rating and a nice little review. If you do that, we'll read it on air. Uh, and if you're on the Spotify, you can also give us a five-star review there. Next week, we are reading Baltimore, The Curse Bells, Part 2 with Wes Matice. So you know what to do. Pull out them trades, floppies, back issues, omnis, digitals, or good around the good old Lord's Hoopla app. And join us <laughs> next week on Book Club Member Comics. <laughs> oh my god, that was amazing! <laughs> oh my god! Uh, y'all come back now. You hear? I'm John Salinas. I'm looking for bone sauce, <laughs> and I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, "Take a load off. We might be looking at a long night." <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was awesome. Fun. Awesome, Aubrey. <laughs> Awesome, that was great. That was a mic drop right there.